My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is, is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The Alien. The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Underground. The Decision. The Spoke. The Departure. The Second Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Mutation. The Violation. The Deception. The Suspicion. Resistance. The Extreme Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Beginning. My name is Jane. Woohoo! Welcome, Hello, Jane. Jane! We're so glad to have you. This is great. I'm excited to be here. For the best Animorphs book ever. Oh. Is it? That might be overselling it. <laughs> it's not. It's really not, no. We'll talk about it. I'm sort of relieved to hear that. <laughs> is this the first Animorphs book you've ever read, Jane? It's not, although it is the first I have read in recent memory. I tried reading several when I was smaller. Once I got past the cover, well, once I ran out of all the other books in the library, <laughs> and then I found the Animorphs. But we had a very bad library, and we only had about four Animorphs oh, no. books in it, none of which were in chronological order or. Do you remember which them. ones? I do remember. I read Axe's first book. Because the globules on the movie <laughs> theater floor really stuck with me. They were very sticky, those uh, globules. Were, in fact. But I remember I liked Axe a lot. He was my favorite. So I was happy to have an Axe book here. Oh yes. my god, that's amazing. Yeah, we of course set that up purposefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How old were you? Do you remember? Oof. No, I don't. 13-ish, probably. Yeah. Right in there. Yeah. I do, however, remember taking one of them home, and my mother thought that it was a book about evolution, <laughs> which was incorrect in every possible way. Um, she was like, that's not how evolution works. What are you reading? <laughs> so it probably amazing. wasn't the one with axe on it. It was not, because that would definitely not have triggered thoughts of evolution, no, but maybe no. thoughts of what? Yes. Maybe it was with the gorilla. Why? Like... <laughs> A boy turning into a girl. Yeah, possible. I think it was a lobster. Oh, somebody! I, think, I don't know if there's a book with a lobster, but no, the, no, I, no, no, no. And the, there's gets, an alternate cover with a lobster for sure. Yes, yeah. he almost. I don't know why your library would have had that in but. the in the pot. Yes, and then he yes. morphs human lips to yell no. <laughs> this is one of the few scenes I remember. Not five. It was I kind of traumatic. I forgot there was an alternate cover. That's uh, not that surprising. That, like the most body horrific moments are the ones that stick in a small child's brain. <laughs> oh yes. I feel like the globules is a is that's true. That's it's a terrific in an entirely different way. <laughs> Social horror <laughs> is yes, yes, yeah. That's amazing. What did you think of this book, Jane? This book was very funny. Yes, yes, it was. It was definitely an adventure of the week. Not a lot got accomplished. Marco described it all as pointless, which it wasn't entirely, but it was a little bit. <laughs> Very, very spell point. Yes. But it was very funny, just because Axe. Axe is great. Yeah. Oh, my God. So funny. So arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I thought he was a little more humble than he's been before. It's not a a bar is pretty. (laughs) Jenny, Gray. Yeah, so I had remembered not thinking much of this book, 
much like 25, I think. But whereas with 25, I was a little disappointed. This one, maybe because my expectations were lowered by 25. I was like, oh, this is actually really entertaining. And even though the adventure is kind of, you know, doesn't really go anywhere, I really enjoyed Axe's voice and his TV watching is just makes it worthwhile on its own. Yes. So I, I actually enjoyed the book. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It's very funny. It's also weirdly philosophical. Yeah. In a way that... Briefly, oh, but yeah. intensely. Yes. <laughs> very intensely for a very short number of chapters. Yeah. And then it, it all goes away. And we reset <laughs> and we learn nothing. We eat some burgers. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ted, speaking of which, do you want to tell us what happened in it? Well, or do you, you want, want to tell us what you thought of it? I think... So, I have really low expectations for this book. I remembered, like, sort of the slaughterhouse thing and maybe yep. a couple of other things going into it and just not liking it and thinking it was silly and pointless. But... I thought it was really good. I thought it was very thematically coherent. And I like all of the are humans animals yeah. type questions that it raises. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. a, of course, the classic, the animorphs are like, we're too busy to deal with this. And it'll probably <laughs> never come up again. But actually, I ended up liking it a lot more. And I feel like this book has a reputation as being one of the worst ones. Yeah. I don't think it deserves it. Yeah, I think I think maybe it is because what sticks in people's mind is Axe waiting to be killed in the slaughterhouse, which is the one thing I remembered from this book. Yeah. Uh, that and The Young and the Restless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, that gruesome image kind of overwrites everything else. Yeah. That's really interesting, because I that would almost certainly be true, right, as a child reading this. Mm-hmm. That's what would stick in your head. And as an adult, I was like, yes, slaughterhouses are terrible. What a great point. Like, it, the mm-hmm. horror of it was so... So much part of my experience of like what slaughterhouse, what the meat processing industry in general is like, mm-hmm. that I really actually quite liked that because I was nice. like, that's right. Teach children that meat is evil, and here is all of the reasons why. And like, surely no child after reading this book would ever eat meat again. And yeah, it turns out that's yeah. not even true for the animals, and <laughs> yeah, they experienced no. it. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we should hear what happened in the book. Okay, yeah. I'm sure everyone is confused about Everyone's all like, slaughterhouses. Except about? for the people who've actually read the universe. So, in this book, The Experiment, Axe has built himself a scoop in the forest behind Cassie's farm. Uh, scoop is the Andalite dwelling where you dig out a little hole in the earth and you partially cover it. Inside this scoop, Axe has a lot of mementos including a television, which he has rigged up to get all of the channels. And he has been watching constantly uh, in order to better assimilate into human society. Fun fact, his favorite TV show is The Young and the Restless, which he watches daily with Tobias. <laughs> I'm really disappointed that Gray didn't guess that last week when I asked her what his favorite TV show would be. I'm also disappointed in myself. <laughs> so they're, I don't remember what they're doing, but they run into Eric disguised as a FedEx truck. And Eric tells them that the Chi have learned that the Yurks own an animal testing facility and a slaughterhouse and are working on some kind of project that is very dangerous and close to completion, but they don't really know uh, any of the details. So the Animorphs have to go on two infiltration missions to kind of figure out what the situation is. Uh, So they check out the animal testing facility. They aren't sure what the best way in is, but they realize the animal testing is performed on chimps. So the Animorphs decide on the very straightforward plan of breaking into a truck carrying six chimps while it's inside of a tunnel and freeing the chimps and acquiring the chimps and morphing the chimps so that they will be brought into the animal testing facility themselves. This plan barely succeeds (laughs) without all of them dying. 
And when they get inside the facility, they are almost caught demorphing by Visser 3. Thankfully, they're able to distract him by throwing poop at him. And Visser 3 gets really mad. He's embarrassed and humiliated, and he tells them just to kill all the chimps because phase one of their their experiment is complete and this facility is pointless. So the Animorphs have learned that everything is hinging on the slaughterhouse. They free the chimps and escape. Uh, as they're escaping, Axe sees what is going on in the animal testing lab, and he's kind of disturbed by the way humans are treating animals, uh, and he's kind of worried about the relative intelligence of chimpanzees and humans and, and what this all means for humans and non-human animals on Earth. So they decide they're going to break into the slaughterhouse, but there are Gleet biofilters installed, just like they have on the Yerk pool. So only human and cow DNA can get inside the slaughterhouse. So naturally, they decide to break into the slaughterhouse as cows. In order mm-hmm. to acquire the cows, they go into a pasture in the middle of the night, have to fend off some people who are cow tipping, uh, and acquire to steer. Then when they're going to um, they have to get the ear tags off the cows to uh, get selected to be brought into the slaughterhouse. Axe and Tobias morph into the steer. However, because of the way DNA works, they turn out to be bulls and are distracted by their bull instincts for so long that the plan is screwed up. They have to knock out the controllers who were planning to transport the cows. And Marco in Gorilla Morph has to drive the truck to the slaughterhouse. Somehow they have pulled this plan off as well. Um, and when Axe and Tobias get inside the slaughterhouse, they're in the slaughterhouse intake line, and Axe is almost killed, waiting for the other Animorphs to demorph, morph, and uh, rescue him. And the Animorphs quickly get involved in a big fight with a bunch of Fork Pajir. They lock themselves into the experiment chamber where they find a bunch of humans in biostasis and a bunch of descriptions of. Project Obedience, which is 100% successful at inhibiting the part of the brain that gives humans free will. The Animorphs are all panicking because, of course, the Yurk invasion is over. Now humans will fall before them helplessly. Um, But Cassie just laughs, rolls her eyes, and says, there's no way this works. This is obviously fake. Uh, They meet a scientist who confesses to them that he made up all the results because it's the only thing that Visser 3 would accept as an answer. There is no way to remove free will from humans. The idea is just absurd. Cassie says, I told you so, and gloats for the rest of the book. (laughs) Um, So they just free the people and break their way out. And as they are reflecting on their previous experiences at the mall food court, Marco, Rachel, Jake, and X eat cheeseburgers. The end. (laughs) That's what happened in this book. As improbable as it is. Great. You have to pick a new animal. They morphed <laughs> non-gorilla monkeys. They morphed monkeys. I mean, still apes, not monkeys, but still. Yeah, One I out think, of three. I think, I think it, under Kevin's, the rules of Kevin's game, you now have to pick a new animal that you're, but you have till the end of the episode. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think I realized until I was listening to you describe that episode how completely pointless both of their new morphs were. <laughs> Why didn't they just turn into insects in both cases? Why did they need any of them to be cows? Why did they need to be chimps? It was incredibly risky to be the animals that the Yerks were going to be paying attention to and control. And like, Which is you know, lampshaded. They say straight up, no Andalite would be stupid enough yep, to walk into a slaughterhouse as a cow. And Marco's like, heck yes. <laughs> Good point. They could have just been flies. So they're 
Tobias and Axe are the are the bulls, and the others are flies inside their nostrils, so they're protected from the Gleep biofilter. Why weren't they just flies inside the nostrils of other cows? What a great question! Why did they need cows at that all? That had not occurred to me, and now a really right. it's occurring hard. And why did they morph the chimps? They could have not set the original chimps free and just become, like, flies sitting on the chimps' heads. Yeah, also, the Animorphs having a problem with morphing humans is completely absurd at this point. Because if they were just willing to knock out some humans, yeah. steal their ID badges and identities, and sneak into the facilities... So they're giving concussions to a bunch of humans, dangerous. but they won't morph them? Right. Ethics. Honestly, I would rather have someone morph me than give me a concussion. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except if Visser 3 blamed you for the infiltration, you would rather have had the concussion. <laughs> He's not well, a boss who cares about the opinion of the I'm not a controller in this, in this also, scenario. In this case, oh, actually, no, would, I am a controller in yeah. this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> also, in this case, they would get the concussion and the morph morphed uh, identity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'd actually prefer them not to have to do the concussion. That's a good anyway. point. Although it's much nicer to tell your boss, I was unconscious. <laughs> yes. See the bruise. <laughs> he doesn't listen to evidence, though. As, we, oh, as, as Marco evidence. says, he, he is not a nice person. <laughs> he is. But, like, the point of them being a chimp and a cow is to talk about the, like, yes. where's the line between But it wasn't narratively supported. Unintelligent species. So, clearly, they wanted them to morph these things, but didn't actually give them a good enough reason to need to do it. Agreed. Yeah. It's just silly. I mean, the whole plan is... All of their plans are very dumb. I can't believe they thought they should just walk into a slaughterhouse as cows. Neither could Marco. <laughs> Neither could the controllers. It's yeah. very bad for Everyone plan. knows. And it was honestly one of the most terrifying things that has happened in an Animorphs book. And Axe says that. He's like, I was as scared as I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And he's like shaking afterwards. And maybe it is pointed that one of the scariest things they've been through is just like the way that humans treat animals on their yeah. own planet. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And Axe says that, right? I mean, he has... A lot of what he talks about is kind of learning about what humans are mm-hmm. and how close they are to apes, but also what their behaviors are like. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where he says something about, I couldn't agree that this was right or something like that. Like, this is what humans do, but it seems bad to me. I don't remember the exact quotation, but it's something like that. And it's just, yeah, good point. Ugh, it's all very icky. The whole slaughterhouse scene is Should we so just bad. talk about why it's so bad? I think the listeners deserve to hear some of it. <laughs> Go for it. So, I mean, the I'll just I gotta find the word blood in my notes. Oh, so yeah. much so and um, more blood and more blood. Yeah. <laughs> so this entrails. is the entrance. The entrance to the slaughterhouse is truly horrifying. Right. So this is what you were saying earlier, Jane. Like Marco crashes into the side of the slaughterhouse, essentially in in truck form, and then disappears. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the controllers who are unloading the cows are like, "These are bulls." Wait, could these be Andalite bandits? And then the guy's like, okay, one, I think an Andalite could figure out how to drive a truck. <laughs> Two, an Andalite isn't stupid enough to morph a steer or even a bull and walk into a slaughterhouse. They'd have to be idiots. And then... And they weren't even trying for bulls. <laughs> from the building, awful smells reached my nostrils. Blood. Manure. Blood. Biological rot. And more blood. And more blood. And yeah. then he goes inside, and he gets in line with the other cows. Tobias is horrified by something and tells Axe to look up. I looked up. I could not see directly in front of me because other cattle were blocking my view, but as the chute turned a corner, I saw a horrific vision. Dozens of cows hanging by their rear legs. They seemed almost to be flying, flying as they were carried along by an overhead conveyor belt. 
flying and no longer alive. So they are in line to be to be killed, and the cows that have just arrived, including Axe and Tobias, are in this kind of queue of cows who are being knocked out. Well, they're being killed. They're being yeah. Here. What are those those guns called? I don't think like, they're being, yeah. They're not being knocked out. They're like the they're air, being shot in the they're head. Like the, the, air the people guns, who do right? that are called knockers. Oh, like that's their job is okay. yeah. And so in theory, they're supposed to kill the cows. In actuality, uh-huh. that only happens about fifty percent of the time. This really? is a terrible process, right? These cows oh, own, no. are a lot of cows end up being exsanguinated. They have their throats cut after they're shot in the head, uh-huh. which is what actually kills them. But that's often. Like, they're alive for that process. Ah. This is very bad. It is yeah. not as bad as what really happens in slaughterhouses. Yeah, wow. <laughs> they're very, very bad. Anyway, so they have the this tool that's supposed to kill them. It's it's basically a big gun. So Axe is in line, and he's there's, like, two cows ahead of him. And he gets zapped by – they have these, you know, electric prods to and try and – he's trying to forward. demorph, but he right. can't, right? There's not enough time. Mm-hmm. It's very gross, and, and then, it's very terrifying. Yeah, yeah, because he thinks he's he thinks he's about to die. Um, finally, mm-hmm. Rachel shows up, and I just wanted to read one more part about about the slaughterhouse itself. Right, is that access irrational as it might be? I resented the human controllers who were even now attempting to butcher me. <laughs> it's not overly irrational, buddy, but all right. I think um, he was saying, you know, the animorphs try not to kill human controllers, and he's resenting the humans as well as the Yerks, maybe. Yeah, something like that. We forced our way through the human controllers, forced our way as dripping carcasses floated above us on the conveyor. My hooves scrabbled over spilled entrails. Yeah. Yeah. Slaughterhouse Battlefield. Not great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So icky. I don't understand how anyone reading this can be. Like the whole arc of learning about how they get burgers and then being like, eh, and eating burgers. It's like the ending was cut. Get have a week, buddy. Yeah, the ending was was kind of surprising. Like it was, it seemed like it was you know a funny note to end on, I guess, a little bit. But like, were they deliberately being like, okay, but it's still okay if you eat meat? Is that was that like the point? It's just so glib. After yeah. this horror, yeah, you know, and it does like they often end on a light note. But it was it was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and X has this long dialogue about like humans' relationship to animals, and some they coddle, and some they fear, and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "So why don't they eat the dangerous ones?" Well, cows taste better. <laughs> like we eat the tasty ones, yeah. and, and it's not also, very. We don't want to keep dangerous animals for slaughter because mm-hmm. it's not easy mm-hmm. to keep a bunch of like lions in a field. Right, we right. intentionally domesticated them, but it yeah. is yes, if we very... domesticated them so we could do this, and yes. that's why they're not dangerous. It is a very irrational system, like mm-hmm. the things that we consider to be edible and the things that we would absolutely oh, yeah. not consider to be edible. Dogs are not edible because they are beloved pets, but many people keep rabbits as beloved pets, and rabbits are eaten all the time, mm-hmm. and you know, there's no real yeah, definitive logic here. And Axe has this whole thing about, like, you know, I can't really judge. Earth is a tough neighborhood. <laughs> Actually, I just noticed this now. But as Marco, or perhaps Rachel, had once said, Earth is a tough neighborhood, were they not able to look that up? Oh, I like, wait, but I like that. I like okay, that. Yeah. Both of those two would be the ones yes, who would the, say the that. The axe doesn't exactly remember. Yeah, that's fine. That's or, or this is another ghostwriting thing where 
it was written in with the wrong character, and this is their like they're like, no, probably wasn't them. Or wait, maybe it was. Oh, I'm crap, not gonna look it up. This book is due yeah. at midnight. Let's just change this. Production speed. Jake never yells, but (laughs) (laughs) one of the NMRs, I don't know, said this. So um, I, after reading this book. Wait, um, are you talking more about the ending? I know I was going to talk more about the animals. Okay. Eating animals. Well, we can talk about that. (laughs) Okay, no, let me me talk about the ending. (laughs) That sounds so enthusiastic. I think the ending is very jarring, but I think Mm -hmm. it works thematically in a really Mm -hmm. fun way. So, like, the thing that jumps out to me about this book, having, like, doing this kind of close read, is, like, Axe getting a TV is, like, where we start at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, like, really trying to fit in as a human in all these superficial ways. He's, like, really trying to assimilate, right? Mm -hmm. He's using humor. He doesn't know if he's getting it right. He's using body language. He is not getting it right in (laughs) some, like, very strange ways, perhaps. Wait. Let him finish. <laughs> we'll have to cut that because it's a visual thing. <laughs> um, but he has this whole thoughtful bit where he's like, well, humans seem really messed up from my Andalite point of view, but I'm trying not to judge, right? right, right. One, that's not a very Andalite point of view, trying not to judge, right? Like Good Andalites point. are known for their arrogance, but he's trying to say like, look, I'm trying to not interfere. I'm trying to be different. But he identifies as an anamorph, uh-huh. even though he keeps saying your minutes when his life is in danger, he takes them as his own minutes for a brief, brief oh, moment. Wait, really? Aww. He said there were like he's like I have two minutes left when they're in the tunnel. <gasps> Whoa! Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Amazing. So at the end here, Axe finally, finally assimilates because he does the most human thing of all, which is dissociates from horror <laughs> and embraces eating hamburgers because they're delicious. He like embraces this yeah. kind of like Granted, very... it's not difficult to tempt Axe with something that is delicious. <laughs> oh, right. But that's also part of his like, he's, you know, the fact that he goes so overboard in human morph is like part of who he is. It's not just like, yes, you know, yeah. all Andalites might react this way in the situation, right? And so... Mm. At the end of it, Axe cares much more about eating a burger with his friends <laughs> than he does about sticking by his Andalite morals. And I feel like the fact that it's Rachel and Jake and Marco, that's kind of like, okay, well, these are the like, <laughs> these are like the bad animorphs, I guess, <laughs> and Tobias are the good animorphs. But I think the fact that Axe jumps on at the end is very like thematically fulfilling. Like mm. he's, he's now on board. He's totally in it with them. Yeah. And I can actually kind of see if they have this horror associated with the slaughterhouse and they have so much horror going on in their lives right now. And the slaughterhouse one is not like that's not their battle. They're not here Mm -hmm. to reform the animal food industry. Like they need to sort of overwrite that in their mind by being like, okay, meat is delicious. Let's go back to eating meat. Let's like shove that away. I think that eating meat is definitely not as bad as murdering people, which they do all the time. Right, so That's like a good point. you got to pick your battles, and like we had this whole thing with Cassie in nineteen, where she's like, "How can I go on in this fight?" Right, mm-hmm. it's it seems really hard to ask the animorphs to embrace this as their issue when they're oh yeah no certainly not soldiers mm-hmm. in this fight to save all of humanity right? yeah and I don't know that Axe ever quite arrived at a conclusion that like eating meat is wrong mm-hmm. or even that the animorphs did like it was certainly. I, I think he was more concerned, all of them seemed more concerned with the chimps and their yeah, sentience the and the free will and etc. The uh, slaughterhouse was almost just sort of a, you know, horror cherry on top. <laughs> but I think it's related because, like, 
chimps are definitely smarter than cows, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's this like le- like what at what level is it okay to do what to who? Mm-hmm. It's definitely like, related, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Axe's whole long thing about like, I can't believe humans do this to animals. If humans did this to other humans, it would be torture is about the testing facility. Mm-hmm. And not about the slaughterhouse. Yeah. And he doesn't, they don't really reflect on the slaughterhouse after the fact, except no. via Burger. Oh, that's a good point. He doesn't make the connection. Like, the readers are invited to, and maybe Cassie yeah. sort of does. But I, I guess she, she doesn't. He does talk really. about, like, why do they eat cows and not the offensive creatures, which mm-hmm. there's a clear practical answer to that. But I guess he talks about how Andalites are grazers, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, well, humans had to be hunter gatherers. I never, you know, my yeah, we people never, never had grazers, to hunt. Yeah. So, like, you know, who am I to say? But he's trying to say this, like, evolution should drive morality kind of thing, right? It's like, if. If humans, oh. if humans had to be hunter-gatherers, who am I to say that's wrong, right? Whereas, oh, like, I see. the issue with Cassie and Aftran mm-hmm. was, who cares if evolution makes you enslave other people? That's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So Axe is very much like, while I'm human, whatever, I'll just do what the humans do. I need the animals and I don't have to worry about it, right? You could easily, I could imagine him being like, well, I would never stoop so low, and I don't have to, so I'm, I'm not going to eat meat as a human out of principle, because mm-hmm. it's, you know... We Andalites never had to do this, and we're the superior people, right? <laughs> One does wonder how they became so militaristic as grazers on a planet with no evolutionary pressures. I was wondering about that. So we learned in Horicotier Chronicles that they, they used to be herd animals and that they don't sleep very well because they're all, they always have to be alert for predators, I assume. So I guess they evolved tail blades to kill their own predators, wiped their predators out, Oh. some point in history, and there are no predators left on the Andalite homeworld. That does sound very Andalite. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really interesting. There was an interesting line in his thing about, like, Andalite creatures live in greater harmony than Earth animals. He's saying, we practice morphing these other animals, but caging them, killing them, eating them was unthinkable. We were creatures of the same world. That was a, a really mm. interesting take on it. Like, it's not that we are all living creatures and deserve to live like they exist on the same world as us and therefore we have some sort of obligation to them but to me that's very much like they're ours it's yes, not like we're exactly. living in harmony it's like yeah oh we're the dominant species here all these animals are ours and so like we get to fully control them but like, if there was any threat that they might fight back then they wouldn't have that attitude right it's like andalite and axe kind of admits that like None of those animals are dangerous to us. We can't really throw stones at humans who do live in this dangerous world. Do we know what all those animals are? The kafit bird, yes. Uh-huh. We met the hoobers. Who hoobers, the hoobers, yes. The jabalas. Are jabalas things that we've heard of? I don't know that we have. I don't remember. So um, I wanted to talk about the sentience. Oh, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Wait. Before we talk about sen- sentience... Can we talk about what that word means? Because I had like a crisis in the middle of this book where I got confused. <laughs> oh no! Right, so sentience is like the ability to perceive and feel things, right? Awareness. It's not the I same think it's as self awareness. Is it self awareness as opposed so. to just awareness? Yes. Well, because most animals can sapience. perceive. I things. thought that was sapience. Exactly. Yes. That's okay. the word I was trying I... to think of. Right. Right. Up. So like. I think when we talk about sentience, especially in like a sci-fi context, we usually mean intelligent. Mm -hmm. But I don't actually think that's what the word means. No, it's not. So I suddenly had a crisis where I was like, 
Wait, they, oh. they mean sapient, right? Really that's the right word. Subjectively. Okay, so sorry. Did I, I didn't mean to scoop no, you, no, Gray. No, that's because that was exactly what I wanted to talk about. Okay. So the idea of sentience, one thing that's really interesting about it is that it's part of the animal rights movement, uh-huh. is the idea of sentience in animals. Yeah. If they are aware, we cannot eat them, right? Yeah. And what that means is obviously up for debate, right? Does that mean that they can reason? Does that mean they're self-aware, that they, you know, come when they're called? What does that mean? And one place that a lot of philosophers, especially who are talking about this in terms of animal rights, is can they suffer? Mm. So um, there's a guy named Jeremy Bentham, Jeremy Bentham, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. who his thing was, um, the question is not can they reason, nor can they talk, but rather can they suffer? And a woman named Melanie Joy who wrote, why we love dogs, eat pigs, and wear cows, hmm. um, says, uh, she quotes Jeremy Bentham, and she says, the question of sentience, the ability to feel pleasure and pain, has been at the center of arguments surrounding both human and animal welfare. And we've talked about this so much in, ter- in animorphs, but never in an animal rights mm-hmm, or like a, mm-hmm. you know, vegetarianism Usually argument. we're talking about alien species. Yeah. Right. And so I thought it was really interesting that that came up again here because of that tie, that like philosophical tie between the idea of sentience and what the animorphs often talk about, which is, are we allowed to morph sentient creatures? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had talked about I think during the extreme, but I can't remember, is whether sentience is a binary or a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this book comes down on sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we had thought that they landed, but it wasn't really clear. And I think this book makes it a lot more clear that the scale is like cows, real dumb, dolphins, smarter, chimps, so smart, they're almost humans, humans. Andalites are smarter than humans, and then the Elamist is opting his own damn thing, right? And so there's like a scale. But you're kind of confused that because there does seem to be a lot about like, it doesn't matter that they're not as smart, they're sentient, or maybe I mean sapient. I think, I do think we've been using sentient not quite according to the definition. Like they are still just as worthy, even if they're not as smart. That confounds the sliding scale a little bit. Yeah, but like chimps versus Horkbajir, chimps are less sapient. Yes. Right. Yes. And part of it is confusing that with intelligence, right? Yeah. That sliding scale yes. is also a sliding scale of intelligence and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. As a species, you know, as an individual, do they have self-awareness? Right. So is there even a difference, right, the the binary between those two things, right? Yeah, I think that's – I think it's a really good question. And it also – one of the reasons that that comes up so much in, in animal rights movements is that when you start talking about that, the – we can eat these animals, that line goes away very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have, like, pigs are incredibly smart. They they know their names mm-hmm. really young. And they're, you know, I really like pigs. Like, they're great, right? And so saying that have, that animals that are not sentient because they don't talk or they don't mm-hmm. reason or they're not self-aware. They don't use tools, yeah. Is not a meaningful distinction in mm-hmm. any real way. And I think it's really interesting that that's something that the animals talk about. I think it's especially interesting when it comes... So now we've got this idea of like sentience and whether you can sort of morph or eat an animal. But they're starting to tie it in with free will, which I think is also really interesting. Like this whole book... 
the moral philosophy of this book was so interesting, and it was so interesting, I thought it should be a Cassie book. <laughs> We've had several books recently that should have been Cassie books. It's a, it's a bummer. I don't know. I mean, this is exactly what I said the last time somebody said this, but I love seeing Cassie from the outside in this book mm-hmm. because she is so competent in, like, lots of other ways, and yeah. she's so ahead of everybody else with... Like mm. figuring out both how to get that in and out really of these situations, yeah. and mm-hmm. just like where she at the end, she's just she has enough of an understanding of like the principles of science and biology that she's like, no, this whole idea is absurd. Don't believe the hype. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way this you know obedience serum works at all, right? Yeah. And that's so great to see. Like the way Axe introduces her is Cassie is the most knowledgeable of the animorphs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yes, she is. Yeah. So you can't separate a sentient creature from free will. They are free will. You're a cork, but you're a human. It doesn't matter. A sentient species has free will like an object has mass. So this seems to be defining sentience as having free will. And Mm. I feel like I'm also running into the problem of like, okay, but what exactly is free will? Like, why doesn't an animal have free will? Like, what? So, yeah, it's actually, I think it's unclear. The text doesn't quite define things enough to know whether or not I agree with it. But I think the overall tone and message of it, I 100% agree with, right? Like the notion of removing free will, whatever that is from Mm -hmm. a person or creature is absurd. Like I agree with that. I was very relieved when they called that out. The sort of detailed explanation that you just read is like, I don't necessarily know that that's super meaningful, but I was really confused when Cassie was like, well, that, there's no way that's true. And I was like, well, of course you can take free will from a human, just drug them so that they like can't do anything. So you take away everything. But yeah, so I was like, maybe they mean take away free will, but not other things. Like, so they can still reason. They just can't well, yeah, but, choose. Like, well, what, let's what does talk that about mean? That. We, might, we might want to cut all of this, but like, what do you mean when you say free will? What do you mean? So can I just give you Cassie's definition? Sure. Which is a couple pages before that. She says, no one, nothing can eliminate free will. Don't be ridiculous. Even with a yerk in your head, you have free will. Not the will to do, but the will to think, to believe, to hope or love or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's how, like with Cassie's definition, that makes a lot of sense, especially when we're talking about yerks and their their ability to take over your body. But couldn't you like lobotomize a human and they, they would have like... A functioning body and enough of a brainstem to live, and they wouldn't have the ability to think or hope or love or whatever. You could argue whether they would still be human. But how basic is it? Like, I feel like you would still, even lobotomized, choose the warmer, more comfortable thing, or you would, you know, go for a food that gave you more pleasure or things like this. In which case, if that's free will, then animals definitely have it, mm-hmm. which yeah. starts to get really muddy. And would you say somebody who is addicted to narcotics has free will like an overriding compulsion that controls their behavior right Mm -hmm. like like i would say yes but if you have a behavioral definition maybe the answer is no right (laughs) compromised free will so i think it's i think it i i see what you're saying Gray. that it fits into this idea if it's like a sliding scale and it's like if you're sentient all the way down you have free will all the way down um (laughs) if you're it's only meaningful in and of it's about how you experience the world there's also the question Wait, of... But if it's only meaningful in how you experience, does that mean that people who are possessed by yerks do not really have free will because they only have it internally? Well, that's like behaviorally, yeah, you could talk about it. But I think the fact that you are aware of what's going on mm-hmm. certainly suggests that you have free will. The... It's a little weird because the idea of being a brain 
that's been taken over by a yerk is like not at all grounded in real science. And so like <laughs> it's kind of hard to connect the dots with what is actually happening in the Animorphs world. But the free and free will is interesting. Like, does it mean utterly unconstrained? Like I could choose absolutely anything at this moment? Does it allow for, okay, but I'm strongly influenced by my psychology and my environment and my history and all of these things? And occasionally physics. Does, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. Like, does it just mean the ability to choose at all? Does it mean that our choices are not dependent on like firings in our brain that are mechanical and predetermined? Like what is the... Right. Mm. What a wonderful review of the moral philosophy of free will. <laughs> oh, thanks, And Ray. determinism over the last 400 years. Wow. <laughs> it's like I researched, which I did not. A thing, right? And so I think, I think that these books come down on sort of Cartesian duality, which is mm-hmm. that your mind is separate from your body and that there is a distinction between them, that there is not one that it's not necessarily one is better than the other, but mm-hmm. that you have a mind and you have a body and that they coexist and you can change the body and still have a human mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where they're kind of coming down on this because mm-hmm. they're saying, and I think that's where the, the books have to, because your consciousness needs to be separate from your physical form mm-hmm. in for order for to morph into yeah. work, in order for the yerks to do okay. anything. So here's my question for you. Can chimpanzees morph? Ooh. <laughs> oh, you love this question so much. Because Cassie would say yes, I think. Yeah. Yes. Can cows Cassie morph? Would. No. Can mosquitoes morph? They have to hold the box. And really tiny. <laughs> the box is really big. Well, you because... need to be able to... Oh, that's a good question. ...understand... I mean, there's the question of, like, understanding what morphing is and, like, being able to receive that instruction, but also being able to imagine yourself as something other than what you are. I don't think a cow could do that. Mm. This is sort of a different question, this imagining yourself. Right. But... Yes. And Chip could maybe do that. Maybe. To me, this jumped out as the thing of, like, if you had to draw a line somewhere, maybe it's can you effectively use morphing technology? Yeah. Like in this universe. Can your, do you have a mind that can be separated out into Z-space? But, so, the thing is, I think you're right that in terms of the way the characters talk about it and the way morphing works, it feels like a duality thing. But the themes of the book, of the sliding scale, are very much like the more reductionist, determinist approach of, hey, whatever this is, it's not a binary. It's just something mm-hmm. that... Like, the more sapient you are, the more free will you have, and vice versa. And it goes all the way down to nothing, but it's never absolutely zero. I'm actually not sure I agree that that's what the books are saying. Because Axe does seem to have the question, are chimpanzees sentient? Like, do they fall on this side of the binary or on the other side of the binary? I think there might actually be a binary. And Cassie seems to be saying, I mean, she she implies strongly that, yeah, she'd say chimps have free will. They are on this side of the binary. But I don't think she'd say that about cows. But then you have the hork again, who are not very intelligent, and Axe states outright that human brains are much more capable than chimpanzees. Well, somewhat more capable. <laughs> Wait, but does that confound it? I mean, hork and chimpanzees are maybe, according to this, both on the sentient side of the mm. binary. Yes, but I don't think the other anamorphs agree with Cassie at all. No, but there's this question of, are chimps... This thing or this other thing, not where are they on a sliding scale? Like, yeah. I feel like it's the first question mm. that's being asked. So what the scientist says, Axe asks the scientist whether the formula to remove free will, whatever, mm-hmm. um, worked on the chimpanzees. And he flat out says, like, are they in fact sentient? And the scientist responds, the chimpanzees, the formula had no effect. But was it because their will remained unaffected, or merely because there was no free will to affect? We do not know. 
And this is where Cassie Third says, option, I know. your formula doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Wait, just so sugar water the whole time. Right? No, you might be right about what, what the book presents in terms of drawing the line somewhere between chimps and cows. But I want to read the part where Axe thinks about what it's like to be a cow in the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. Cows are not highly intelligent animals. An intelligent animal smelling the blood, catching this brief glimpse of the future, would have bolted, kicked, fought. But no, maybe that's not true either. Maybe an intelligent animal would understand that it was doomed and attempt to face the inevitable calmly. <laughs> so you have like this moment of him empathizing with what it would be like to be a cow, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of reminiscent, in a way, of the Yerks give up, but humans don't mm. thing that came up back in uh, the oh, capture. Oh, yeah. Right that's away. interesting. Okay. What do you do? Yeah. So, um, Ted, you should feel free to cut this. But I want to tell you guys an anecdote from 1995. Okay. So in 1995, somewhere in the middle of Massachusetts, a cow in line at a slaughterhouse broke free, jumped over a barbed wire fence, and went rogue for almost uh, like a month and a half, like six weeks. Go cow! And like wandered around the wilds of New England for six weeks. And people knew that she was out there. Her name was Emily the Cow. And Wait, this so is in the 90s? Are in you 19- sure it wasn't Cassie the cow? It, it might have been Cassie the cow, but she heard you what she went by. Cassie was- became a cow dothlet? No spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> she might have just been trying to get good press for animals because that is what happened. So maybe she was you know, morphing and demorphing every two hours. Uh-huh. This cow went by the name of Emily the cow, at least as far as we know. Pseudonym. Um, and farmers were like feeding her. People were leaving food out for her in the streets, any- anywhere that she was seen. And after, I think it was about six weeks, a local organization in Massachusetts, in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, basically said we they would rescue her they would take her mm-hmm. in they have a like an animal sanctuary and it's an organization that works for peace around the world and animal rights whatever and they convinced the slaughterhouse to sell them Emily the cow <laughs> for a dollar and she became this like minor celebrity for a while wow for these like two month period where everyone was trying to figure out where was emily what what was going to happen to emily there was a children's book about her people like donated huge amounts of money to support this sanctuary she died many years later of cancer but they raised a statue to her so there's a statue of emily the cow in the middle of massachusetts that's two kind of you know animal rights and the workers and all that and I think that there's a little bit of Emily's story in here of, like, the animals breaking out of the slaughterhouse queue. But one of the things that happened was there were a lot of – it was part of this resurgence of animal rights activism Mm -hmm. in the mid-'90s. And part of it was using Emily as, like, a – if we care about this cow, cow, how are right. we okay with all the other cows? A mass yeah. cow. Mass cow. Oh. <laughs> From Massachusetts. It's perfect. Yeah. So that's my anecdote about cows in the 90s. Oh, no, that's awesome. Are we like? Are we going to say that cow didn't have free will? Yeah. Did, was it a choice? Did it just... Did Emily happen was to Was Emily just scared? And, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you, I think you have an argument that maybe the Animorphs live in this Cartesian dualistic yes. universe. But at least we have to re- grapple with the idea that... We don't have I think will. it is, in fact, a... <laughs> so, seems like the Animorphs might have a better case to make than we do. I was going to say, I think it is, in fact, a, a spectrum of <laughs> complexity. But, yeah, I think that there is this duality of mind-body and a binary of, like, either you sort of have that duality or you don't. But if... Mm-hmm. So, but it's like, if you built Orc-Bajir 
that were not sapient. Mm-hmm. Would it be better to infest them and rove around the galaxy? So that is a question. We haven't dealt at all with the morality of infesting animals. Even though Yurks have infested several animals, it's always been a logistical challenge for the Animorphs. Like, oh no, if they infest these sharks, they'll <laughs> kill all the Lyrans. Not like, oh no. Those poor sharks. Those poor sharks. Then we just haven't touched that at all. Some One of our commenters brought up the interesting idea, like, you know, we often bring up, like, why don't they just have, like, robot bodies? And that maybe there's some need in a Yurk to have a brain to live alongside, that they can't just live alone in a in a body shell. And I wonder if if that is true, if, like, having a horse brain or a cow brain would, like, not be enough, or... If maybe that would be okay. I don't know. That's it's the, the a, horse Yurks do seem to hate it. It's true. But they also just have to wander around like the desert, desert doing like nothing. trying to get into this base to see the Andalite toilet. Like it's a rough life. <laughs> yes. Is that what they object to or is it the quality of the horsey brain? <laughs> Unclear. I mean, that does sort of beg the question, like, is it easier for a Yurk to operate in a brain that... You would think, like, if they're always having to fight against human brains and what they want are voluntary controllers, then it would be even better to have an animal brain that, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, doesn't have free will. Right, because what they're trying to do in this experiment is to create something that would go in the meat that people would eat and they would lose all free will and that would make them easier to infest. So they're really trying to actually, like, Put so why don't they just infest the animals? Yeah, so vegetarianism just... is our only option. That <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit what I thought. During this. Like, well, <laughs> some of us fine. No, but it's a good point that like they, if you're trying to take free will away and cows don't have free will, I have a solution for you. Oh, yeah, like herds of animals that don't are already ready for you. Yeah, just steal all the cows. And I mean, I guess they don't have very good manual dexterity. They should, they would do better stealing the chimps. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe bonobos or something that are slightly less sentient, according to Kathy. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Steal all the monkeys. Ship all the monkeys into space. Yeah, I mean, it would be a bummer for the the monkeys and probably for our ecosystem, but... There probably aren't enough. Yeah, maybe it's that they they want humans to be like animals, only more dexterous and numerous. I guess that sort of makes sense. (laughs) Depends how long-term your plans are. Right, yeah, you could just breed more of the animals. I mean, we just saw the Yurts did that in in Book 26, where they Mm -hmm. made their own. I'm going to guess that the Isk don't have minds of their own. Maybe that's, maybe not, if if what Yurks need are like a mind to live alongside. Maybe they just have a mind that doesn't mind, a mind that doesn't mind, a mind that isn't bothered by having another creature running the body. Well, and they get something out of it, right? It's not... They, well, they get something Maybe they're super lonely. Yeah, Aww. exactly. <laughs> Maybe they made another species that needs, like, emotionally to have another mind next to it to, yeah. to be okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about the cows in this book. Add a few more things about cows. Sure, yeah. Words. Let's hear it. Cow corner. Cow corner, very quickly. <laughs> it's a I regular just, segment. We just talk about cows every time. The thing about my predictions is that they're usually very wrong. But I do <laughs> just want to tell you guys that they got to the part of their plan where they were like, we are going to acquire these steer. And I put in my notes, you have not, you were not paying attention to the discussion about <laughs> <laughs> Which was a great discussion. <laughs> it was very funny. They have this whole discussion about what the difference is between a bull and a steer. And Marco cuts them off and is like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. And then he crosses his legs. And crosses his (laughs) legs. Which I did not pick up on when I read this as a child. (laughs) 
very funny. And then it turns out they really should have paid attention to that because what yeah. happens is when Tobias and Axe acquire the steer and mm-hmm. morph into them, they are, of course, formed from their DNA and therefore they are bulls. And uh, they... Wait, but what does that mean? What's the difference? <laughs> yes, spell it out for us. <laughs> so Bulls are a lot angrier. Ah, <laughs> when you have a baby cow and it is a boy, you have two options. One option is to leave it the hell alone, and then you get a bull. And the other option is to castrate it, and then you get a steer. Steer is what goes into hamburger. Bulls make new baby cows. Mm. And they usually are not turned into hamburger because they taste really bad because oh. of all the testosterone. Oh. Literal um, testosterone poisoning. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> um, and I think that that is hilarious because I totally saw that coming and I just was like really fast. Wanna <laughs> yeah. Farm girl here, very proud of herself. Thank you very much. <laughs> I also really loved Cassie in that oh, scene. Yeah. Because oh, yes. Another great Cassie. so moment. good. Yeah. Cassie's really shining in this series. Oh, yeah. This book in particular was such mm-hmm. a good Cassie book. She She's standing in the field with two bulls <laughs> who have, are not aware that they are also humans. They're very much like right, they're definitely in their in the mind of the instinctive yeah. bull. And she steps in between them. Ooh, yeah. And she grabs, grabs them by the... Horns, where, where are we? Okay. Takes the bulls by the horns. Takes the bulls by the horns. And she staple guns and their ears. Staple guns their ears. <laughs> she, she's so great. So she, first of all, she like faces them down and she's very soothing. And she's like, okay, good cows. Nice cows. <laughs> Listen to me. Just remember, you are people. You have to pay attention. Right now you're bulls and you want to fight right very badly. But please don't do that. It would be a terrible idea. And so she convinces them in Bullmore to take a step back from one another. Well, what happens is Axe, Tobias, Cassie said, sweetly, calmly, pleasantly, I said, back up! (laughs) The other bull and I both jerked straight back. Awesome. She is so cool. She's so good. And then she goes in and she, so Axe says, Cassie grabbed my horns in her hand and stared right into one of my eyes. I don't have time for this crap. We have enough trouble. (laughs) Get control. Do it now. Whipped up her handheld held stapler, poked the ear tag into the end of the gun, and I heard a loud click in my ear. So she, like, st- like pierces their ear, puts the tag in, grabs Tobias the same way. <laughs> Within seconds, we were both tagged and both able to accept the other's existence. Badass. Right there. Yes. So badass. So true. Especially because bulls are very scary when they are oh, mad. They're yeah. huge. They're grumpy. They've got horns. Well, and then this isn't even counting all of her, like, very excellent morphing. Uh, oh, yeah. Very high speed. And yeah. then the fact that she gets to be the one dangled by her ankles over the edge <laughs> oh, yeah. of a moving truck, <laughs> which we're really glad was not locked for mysterious reasons. It <laughs> is the worst point. <laughs> I mean, why would you lock it? The chimps are in cages, I guess? I, no, that moment is so good. Like, what does Jake say to her? Jake's like, I'll go first. And she's like, uh, you weigh twice what I do. And don't, don't distract. distract me while I'm trying to be brave. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's so good. And we had, and this is like Cassie in back in Megamorphs one. She's the one who like runs mm-hmm. away and lets yeah. Marco get captured, right? So she's completely transformed. She's making like a concerted effort to be brave, which is mm-hmm. we don't necessarily see that same work going into it for the others. I mean, it's obviously difficult for right. different struggle. Yeah. And back to, like, if this were a Cassie book, right, this would be, like, she'd be so afraid. She'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I'm going to die. Yeah. This is terrible. You know, like, she'd have so much doubt constantly. Right? Yeah. Like, You're yeah. right. It's really cool to see her from the outside as she does all this awesome stuff. 
Yeah, without yeah. her internal monologue, she's much yeah. cooler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wait, but are we all? No, it's true. That's very true. That's why when they go to Lyra, it's like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> no, but that's kind of great that, like, yeah. she probably th- has all these doubts about herself. But no, you look at her from the outside and you're like, no, objectively, mm-hmm. she's super cool. Especially mm-hmm. when there are animals involved, right? Mm-hmm. In both of those situations, she's rescuing animals and she just puts all of her own fears and emotions aside in order yeah. to focus on what needs to get done. Do we want to talk about that bit where she and Rachel kind of team up against uh, Jake and Marco to uh, oh, yeah. rescue the champs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really do. Jake's a little bitter. I, <laughs> yes. I hated Marco in this book so much. Marco was oh, terrible he was terrible. Book. I really just yeah. could not stand him. And I know I give him a hard time in almost all the books, but in this one, I was like, I just can't stand you. No, I like Marco most of the time, but this book, he was not It felt stellar. like a lot of his moments where he's like come to appreciate Cassie's point of view were just gone. Yeah. I actually had that in my ghostwriters, question mark section, <laughs> because he felt like they just, like, they wanted an opposing point of view, and so they just gave it to him and ignored, like, what I think has been a lot of character growth. I'm so mad about it. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was the one speech that he gives in the scene that we're talking about where he's, like... Because I guess the idea is they realize there's no point in being in the animal testing facility. Uh-huh. And I think, at first, Rachel and Mark are both like, let's just morph small and get out of here. And yeah. Cassie's like, what if... No. Like, <laughs> what if we save all the chimps? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, they're going to know mm-hmm. we're here. We're still undercover. And then, Ka- like, we can't use our battle morphs or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 no battle morphs. We go as chimps. And Cassie and Rachel basically start morphing to chimp. And Jake and Marco are kind of like, Ugh, all right, whatever. Let's go along with it. Right. But Marco yeah, and gives Jake this whole... has the actual line of, like, so much for being the leader. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, they're just charge. going. <laughs> right. Unusual case. And, like, the thing is, he does, he usually covers for other people besides Cassie yes. in this kind of situation. But he seems really annoyed. Well, but, it, and it was also Cassie and Rachel. Uh, maybe that made it hard. But like, and yeah, Marco you, called out Rachel, like, you always take Cassie's side. Rachel's like, no, I just want to see the chimps get some of their own back. Heck yeah, Rachel. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was surprising that Jake called that out then, rather than just going with it the way he usually does. Right. And, and Marco's thing here is, like... He says, oh, Cassie, typical Cassie, you know, if it weren't about, like, animals or whatever, you wouldn't care. You know, like, we're just doing this to save the chimps. Like, you're putting us all in danger for no reason. And he really tries to get on his high horse about it. And to Mm -hmm. me, this Mm -hmm. is like pointing out her hypocrisy is straight out of the Drodes playbook from the last book where he comes in. He's like, oh, Cassie's a hypocrite. You know, like... I have no idea why where this is coming from. No, right. it's yeah, he's like animal lovers. Typical, they care more about animals than they do about humans. Which I don't think that's usually what we see from Cassie. If well, and he also pointed out that she would not be okay with acquiring the chimp if she wasn't trying to save the chimps. Right. right. Yeah, that's the hypocrisy right. thing. Right. Yeah. It's like normally she'd be like, "Oh no, we can't acquire them." But yeah, he says to her, "You don't get it, Axe. Cassie's on her own private mission here. She wants to save the chimps, so her usual moralizing doesn't apply. Uh, care about more about animals than do about humans. If we were doing this for some other reason, we'd have Cassie giving us a bunch of crap about not using sentient creatures. But she's thinking she can maybe save some chimpanzees. So hey, if it's for the sake of animals, which one? Shut up. Yeah. Two, that doesn't make sense as an argument." That I mean, he's making. It felt like the kind of thing we might have heard from Marco when he was like very scared and stressed out. When sometimes he like lashes out and is kind of a crappy person. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't in this case. Yeah, like, the stakes they, are so low. The stakes are really low. They're not in super danger. Like he isn't in that mode where like he drops his humor and like sometimes is mm-hmm. really punchy. Like so it didn't make any sense to me that he would react like that. Yeah. And calling yeah. and saying like 
you know, she drops her moralizing. Like, that's not how he usually relates to her. Yeah. Yeah, Marco was a little bit of a trash person in this book. Yeah. It's kind of hard to defend it. It just feels yeah. really out of character. It felt really out of character. And it's it's hard to say that about a person in a book who is a character, and the character is a sum of all the things that happen in the books. But right. this one felt like an outlier. Yeah, like, I could believe it if there was something inciting it. Yeah, it exactly. Nowhere, exactly. Right? Yeah, there was a there were quite a few places. And there's a couple places where Rachel it, it says what I'm thinking, which is, you know, shut up, Marco. You're, yeah. you're not helping. You're being cruel. And it's not helpful. I don't like it. Yeah. Does yeah. Marco have, like, I don't know, some stake in the animal testing industry? Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, is he mad He's at Cassie? He's attached to burgers, but that's later. <laughs> yeah, they haven't even got, gotten to the slaughterhouse yet. Is he mad at Cassie because she got them caught and he had to touch his own poop? <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure he loved that. And He's mad at Cassie because she... That's a good point. He's mad at Cassie because she kissed Jake. Yes! <laughs> oh, you solved it. Oh, perfect. We didn't see it in 27 for some reason. That's so unfair. He should be mad at Jake. Yes, it's true. But he can't be mad at Jake because he's in love with Jake. Although he does ask Axe out on a date in this book. so We'll get there. <laughs> anyway, I don't think that's a very good explanation for what he says. But, you no, know, that's all I got. I did like the um, throwing the poop idea. Uh, I think my note there was something like, okay, I don't like Marco, but he does come up with good plans. <laughs> it was an excellent plan. Poop him. <laughs> yeah, poop him. I mean, after all the humiliation that Mr. Three has suffered, yeah. could it get worse? Yes, it could. <laughs> wait, wait. So this is my question. The Visser believes that these chimps don't have free will because... They have undergone this testing. Oh, but these chimps just arrived in the facility. That's true, but all of the chimps start doing this. Oh, true. Does he think, like, who does he think ordered these (laughs) chimps to throw poop at him? And is this why he kills the guy? No, no, no. It's either he doesn't kill him. He cuts off his hand. Oh, I know. Which is a common punishment. And then he says, reattach that. So... Guys, we don't have to feel bad anymore about axe cutting off all these people's hands. Because clearly... The Yurk Empire has the ability to reattach hands. I do believe or that. Or Star Warsian. I was going to say. Though it is also possible that Visser 3 just doesn't understand the limits of technology and doesn't care that much because <laughs> it's slightly more likely, but I like the idea. But yeah, I would believe technology. that the Yurks have that technology, so all of those controllers can reattach their fingers. That's yeah. nice. I really appreciated um, Visser 3 showing up to the he shows up to the testing facility and like sweeps in. Mm-hmm. Right. And my thought was just, does he not have anything better to do? What is how does he show up at a both micromanager? Places. I mean yeah. he oh, just yeah. Well he was the there to worst. close it, right? Apparently Maybe. he's there to close it because Like don't he's worry. a micromanager, but he's not someone who pays attention to detail. So he just storms in, is like and we're done, close it. Also, like this plan has been in the works for like Years, right? It's unclear. At least a year. Least a year. Right? The, the infestation the has been going on for at least two years, plus the time that the books have taken, right? Because that's when Marco's mom disappeared. Right? Oh, so oh like, the, the invasion. So yeah. it's like maybe th- up to three years at this point. Uh-huh. Probably not even that. So like, how long has this been going on? How often is he checking in? Like, like <laughs> what a waste of everything. I mean, what I was thinking is... How long has this been going on? And the one day that the Animorphs break in is the day well, the Visser shows up, and he shows up the next day. Yes. That's the obviously correct. We, we can that kind of thing. on their monumental bad luck. Mm-hmm. 
Mr. Mm-hmm. Three is not a leader who believes it is important to be popular with subordinates. No, that <laughs> is true. Well, understatement. I just love that this is like becoming more and more explicit in the books yes. that Mr. Three is a terrible leader and he's wait like he's totally mismanaging the invasion. It's amazing. He is the Michael Scott of aliens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's much worse than that. True, evil Michael Scott. <laughs> well, it's great because the the place where they make it explicit is. At the when they're talking about the experiment, mm-hmm. they first learn about it from the computer, <laughs> which is the computer. I love the computer's description of Visitor Three. Oh, can no. do the best computer voice. Oh, Jenny has a great robot voice. Oh, okay, yeah, let's have it. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Project Obedience is the brilliant insight of our great and glorious leader, Visitor Three, hero of the Taxon Rebellion, scourge of the Andalite fleet, conqueror of Earth. It's been conquered. Wrote down. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. I was real nervous when they said Hero of the Taxon Rebellion because I was like, Arbrin. No. Oh, no. But it also says Conqueror of Earth. Yes. Earth is super yes. not conquered. Okay. So okay. I'm pretty sure the Taxon Rebellion <sighs> is fine. <sighs> My Arbrin headcanon survives. Was there more that you wanted read about that? I didn't um, write down any more of the... Uh... The next bit's not that important. Okay. But yeah, it was just like 100%. Uh... Yeah. But yes, I, I like that those are his titles. A great and glorious Those, The butt-kissing computer makes a lot more sense when you realize the entire project <laughs> is basically just... Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like Theranos, right? It Mr. Is. 3 built Theranos. And I don't know what that is. The blood testing thing? Oh. It's, it's like the whole thing was fake. You have to. Oh, no. The book and the documentary are all so good, but it's a perfect analogy. And can I read what the scientist says? This is so kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to imagine, I imagine Doc Brown for this character. So just, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. Yep, solidly. It didn't work. I faked the results. We all did. We had no choice. Visser 3 kept demanding results, results, results. So we gave him results. Lies. Just a bunch of lies. <laughs> Tearing out <laughs> his long white hair. <laughs> also, this guy is great because he's not actually a really hostile Yurk when he they're like leaving with mm. Axe. And he's like, Axe is like, no, but Axe is like, oh, out of curiosity, like, what did you learn about chimps? And he's like, oh, yes, Andalites are naturally curious. Right? He's, like, <laughs> he's clearly just a nerd Yurk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Much more of a scientist. Uh, mm-hmm. But they do a great job of like... Oh, you feel kind of bad for this guy who's trapped in this horrible yeah. situation and doesn't seem overtly hostile. And then he's like, no, no, these are all street people. I'm not a fool. I know we'd have to dispose of them in the end. And you're like, and... Blah. I <laughs> loved Cassie's, Cassie's reaction, reaction to that. Yeah. She finally got to do the thing that she didn't get to do to uh, Joe Bob Finestre because Jake stopped her. And she just like leaps at the guy with her teeth at his throat. And is like, we do not dispose of humans. Oh, yeah. It was so good. This is a Cassie shining Yes, book. it is. Axe got to shine with, you know, Young and the Restless references, <laughs> but Cassie got to shine in every other way. Every other way, yes. Yeah. So good. Um, is it time to talk about Axe's TV watching? Heck yes. Please. It is always that Please. time. It was just the most delightful. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to read every single quote that was oh, related to so it, but that ones. would probably be too much. Would it... <laughs> Can we start with how he got a TV because I have some questions. Mm. Well, we, we know how, how he got. got we do know how he got the satellite. <laughs> Go on. Well, apparently it was made from some soup cans, an old radio, and a length of power wire from Jake's neighborhood. Actually, how did he get the wire down without like electrocuting himself? Andalite and Wavium <laughs> technology. <laughs> Do not look at the man behind the curtain. 
<laughs> anyway, that bit was great where Tobias was like, oh, oh well. That's why the power's out in Jake's neighborhood. And Axe is like, these cables shocked. deliver power? And Tobias is like, yeah, when people don't steal them for personal use. And well, Axe is like, this you, is very inefficient. How did he cut a cable without being aware that it was delivering power somewhere? Also, did you guys pick up on the fact that Axe was really impressed by chain link fences? Yes! Yes, I did! They are ingeniously twisted together. (laughs) I love the things that he's impressed by. (laughs) I know. Cinnamon buns are the greatest invention. He has a picture of a cinnamon bun in his suit. I have to imagine. I have to imagine it's an advertisement from the mall. Like, <laughs> and he's just like stuck it's to like the mall. It's like a coupon. Yeah, yes. It's a coupon. It's a coupon. Out of a he doesn't know what a coupon is. No. He could have a free cinnamon bun. He doesn't realize. <laughs> he he might come to understand after watching more of these messages. These messages. His favorite program. His favorite. Who doesn't love these messages? Zestfully clean. Zestfully, zestfully clean. clean. You're not truly clean unless you're zestfully clean. You're starting to scare me a little, Axe. <laughs> my favorite. Yes, so much information condensed into so brief a format. So much emotional intensity. It's <laughs> a good point. And then at some point, Jake's like, let's just do this in, out, and right back. And Axe says, after these messages. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the bit where he does a, um, a, a soap, soap take? take? Yes. Oh, is, is that my goodness. Like, and all what the trope is called? I've never heard that term before. It sounds right. Um, I have something. it. Let me find it. Where, where the... I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's that thing in a soap opera where... Demonstrate, Jenny. And we do not know. I paused for a long moment. The way I had seen Victor Newman do. Whenever he does this, the TV camera zooms in on his face. What kind of animals are being tested in there? <laughs> <laughs> Five I... bird of prey heads turned to look at me. Axe, you okay? <laughs> yes, but I must maintain silence till we go to these messages. <laughs> I just really hope that he's using a different sort of voice for this. <laughs> yeah, thoughts make oh, mm-hmm. The really wonderful thing. They're talking to Eric. Well, I didn't think you set this up to invite us over for pizza, Marco muttered. Let him speak, Marco, I said gravely, touching his arm. Jack, who is one of the youngest and most restless, does this often when he is trying to be understanding. Marco and Eric stared at me. Look, how awkward is it? Do you think he should be able to pull that off? Is he just, like, leaning really far in order to do it? Let him speak. (laughs) It only works if he is doing the accent. Yeah, but, like, yes, Mm. yes. And he also attempts to go out without a shirt because they often do this and he is both young and occasionally restless. (laughs) I am ready, I said, making mouth sounds. How about putting on a shirt, Marco asked. The men who are young and restless do not wear shirts. I am young and I am occasionally restless. Axe? Yes, Marco? Put on a shirt. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Okay, can we talk about this moment though? Yes! Because we don't get a lot about Marco's tone or what he's thinking in this conversation. Are you guys going to do this again? Yes. Oh, yes, we are. I think Marco's into it, and he's barely restraining himself. Yes. And he's like, Axe, I can't even look at you unless you put on a shirt, because I'm so consumed with desire. Like, Marco, like, the fandom bicycle for this, like, everybody wants. Yes. Everybody shipped with Marco. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So he's basically reacting the way Jake did when he saw Cassie in the bathing suit. Yeah. Is my headcanon for that. <laughs> no, but okay, Marco does randomly show up at Axe's scoop on a day when he doesn't have school because they have teacher conferences. And he's 
He's like, oh, you have a TV? Do you know what you need? You need a TV guide. I'm bored. Let's go to the mall. And Tobias is like already flown off. And Max is like, can we get a cinnamon bun? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and they're going, they're going on a date. His plan is to make Jake pay for this. He's a cheap date. <laughs> undermines your theory. <laughs> or he's just trying to play it off. Like, uh, sure, maybe we'll run into Jake. He could pay. He doesn't want to make, he, he wants to be chill about this. Okay, don't or, dislocate anything stretching this far. <laughs> he shows up and invites him to the mall for no reason. Okay, but I, I would like to posit another theory. Yes. Maybe he's just trying to make Jake jealous. Oh, okay, yes. No, I buy this. I have, to, I have to clarify that sound that you just heard was Jane slapping her forehead in exasperation. Okay. No, that makes more sense because I don't think he's actually into acts yet. I, I don't think it's developed yet. I think he's going to get that. I don't know. So, you do know. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I definitely did not have any sort of, like, ship goggles on the first time I read this, so I cannot attest to, uh, you know, subtextual shipping <laughs> evidence later. But I was hoping for Axe Marco to be a thing. It seemed like, you know, they definitely weren't there yet, and I still don't think they're there. Marco is asking Axe out on a date, and I think you're right. He is trying to make Jake jealous. And I think you two are wearing shipping goggles <laughs> that are thick enough to form as welder's goggles. <laughs> Well, no. You say this like it's a bad thing. Fair. <laughs> I, I also want to be clear. I don't actually ship Jake and Marco, but I do think oh, Marco no. is jealous. Marco definitely. I actually think Marco has a crush on Jake. Hmm. Like that. I, I feel like that is in the text. Um, I, I don't necessarily think anything is going to come of it, nor do I think anything should come of it. <laughs> At least we are in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Jake is into Marco at all. I think Jake is completely clueless. I think Marco is in denial. But I do like this theory that he is, yeah. (laughs) He's he's trying to make Jake jealous. Maybe not, like, articulating it that way to himself. Maybe he's just, like, looking for this other avenue since, like, Jake and Cassie are, like, more official now. I just realized Axe's human morph is half people... Marco is definitely attracted to. Oh my gosh, you're you are correct. Marco could come in and explain to X the cause of He's quote unquote Jake, so much restlessness. <laughs> okay. Yes, that is true. That's it's true. also one quarter him, which is weird. <laughs> but, but Marco would be not into that. Out of character. For Marco. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, other TV shows. That okay, we have to talk about X is very interested in why humans put their mouths together. He doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And why they seem to enjoy it. My first thought was that they were transferring food, but that seems not to be the case. (laughs) Look, Tobias, Victor and Nikki are doing that thing again. I pointed at the screen. They do this very often. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, it's called kissing, Axeman. Just like yesterday and the day before. Kissing. (laughs) Everybody does it. Of course, you need lips. He sounds a little bitter, just saying. Poor Tobias. Yeah, I know what it is called, and the role of lips is self-evident. I simply do not know why it is performed. Ah, well, (laughs) Tobias rearranged his wings noisily. It's definitely got a purpose. By the way, Marco's coming by! (laughs) What do you guys make of Tobias' reaction here? He doesn't want to have to explain it to Axe. But also kind of sad and bitter a little bit. (laughs) Yes, Yes. I wonder, this might be stretching, but I think this could be read as more evidence that Tobias and Rachel haven't kissed yet. But Rachel's been dropping hints. Oh. Yes. Mm. Or... Like in 26, <laughs> when she seemed a little resentful. About time, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his reaction is because Rachel's been dropping hints, or because 
it's something he also wants and like they're teenagers and can't figure out how to arrange this and have fewer opportunities because he's usually a bird. <laughs> Statements not often. <laughs> I know that part is a little unusual in teenagers, but you know, it happens. Uh, I like how so Marco shows up and asks what's on TV. And Tobias is like, well, I'm going to go find a mouse, bye. And <laughs> Marco's like, ah, watching a soap, which makes me think that this is like Tobias's favorite show. <laughs> and he doesn't want to have to Tobias shows up to watch this show. Yes, yes, yes he's very into this show. It's his stories. Soap? I was confused. No, this show is about humans who are both young and restless. <laughs> which is amazing. But he remains confused as to the cause of so much restlessness. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the joke that keeps on giving. It's never enough. <laughs> it's yeah. wonderful. It's, it's so wonderful. So I very much enjoyed uh, the bit about one of the characters is a woman who is not wearing very much clothes. Um, mm-hmm. And Yes, she is hot. That is why she often wears less artificial skin. Yeah, well, I think you may have your cause and effect turned around there. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, how, how is X such an... Such a contradiction. <laughs> He's very intelligent and deeply stupid. <laughs> I think that may apply to all of us at moments. That's fair. I identify with this. <laughs> I loved the little things that were dropped in that he clearly had gleaned from mm-hmm. TV. Like, he's he's uh, watching the tunnel, you know, that they're going to be morphing to chimp inside. He's like, yeah, there are these restaurants and there was the store where one would not pay a lot for that muffler. <laughs> At one point, he says, yellow is the color of warning. I do not know why. (laughs) He gets, when he's a chimp, the handlers give him a cookie. I sniffed carefully. Sugar. A delicious treat? No doubt. But was it also heart healthy and low fat? In these messages, everything is heart healthy and low fat. Can you read the end of that cookie bit, though? When he eats the cookie? I don't have it. Oh, we have to find it. Yes, we do. It's the sweetest X moment in the entire book. He's so pleased with the cookie that he, he keeps thinking like, like, would the chimp enjoy it? Would the chimp enjoy it? <laughs> the chimp enjoyed it. So did the Andalite. <laughs> That's adorable. Okay. Um, there's also the bit where um, I think it's when Marco asks him on the date to the mall. Mm-hmm. They're talking about cinnamon buns, and Marco's like, maybe, or no, it's when oh. they're going to the mall and they run into Eric. Marco oh, yeah. was like, oh, we're going to the mall to and see how many cinnamon buns Axe can eat before he explodes. <laughs> and Axe says, I have already performed that experiment. <laughs> the experiment! <laughs> oh! oh! The title makes so much more wow. sense now. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm slightly tweaking my headcanon for that scene where Marco asks Axe out. I think he does it because he's bored because Jake is hanging out with Cassie, I bet. And he wants to make Jake jealous. And uh, and so he's like, I'll ask Axe to come to the mall with me. And then Axe gets dressed and doesn't put on a shirt. And Marco's like, oh, crap, I'm attracted to this guy. And this is where it starts. This is where it's going to start. Um, I have a question about Eric. He shows up. His hologram is a FedEx truck. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Hilarious. I love it. Marco asks if that's copyright infringement. And Eric says, they can call my lawyer. He was Moses's law professor. Moses confirmed. Okay, I feel like being Moses, first of all, did Moses have a law professor? Certainly not. Second of all, I don't think that would prepare you for lawyership in the current world. Isn't his law professor God? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Who else taught Moses how to legislate? He 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 was raised in Pharaoh's court. He wasn't a lawyer. Those are different things. So maybe it was like his tutor in Pharaoh's court. Moses was the lawyer, right? (laughs) Moses' lawyer is God. (laughs) 
presumably, but his, his law professor was presumably some long dead Egyptian. Mm, but not long dead because he was a chi. What did Moses do for a job? Well, he was raised in the Pharaoh's palace. And then he became a shepherd, and then God gave him the laws. He wasn't a lawyer at any point in that process. <laughs> but he might have had a tutor in the law when he was, like, one of the royal but isn't children. But he kind of, like, spiritually uh, or symbolically the father of law because of that? Yeah, because like, he wrote him down. Well, that's he's, probably, legisl- he's more of, like, a legislator well, yes, or a, a statesman. That's probably right. why they well, yeah. chose this example. But it's I'm not up on my Moses, but he's real. <laughs> Moses confirmed. Apparently. It was just such an odd reference for Eric to make, I Laughed a lot. It was, yeah, yeah. Oh, another TV thing. When they're going to the slaughterhouse, Tobias is like, "So, seen anything good on TV lately? Are you attempting to distract us from our fear by engaging in a relevant conversation?" Yeah. In that case, I did enjoy watching The Simpsons. <laughs> I assume they do not represent some variant species of humans, but are in fact humorous pictorial exaggerations of humans. Yeah, they're cartoons. Cartoons, yes. They seem to be related to humans, but lacked a sufficient number of fingers. So Andalites don't have cartoons. No illustration? Did they skip that step? Well, they might have illustration. But even if he knows what cartoons are, which I don't know if he does, he might not, I don't know, assume, he might assume that they are pictorial representation of a subspecies of human. Oh, mm, good point. The the fingers thing. Yeah. And it is the only difference between the Simpsons and other humans. So you see where he might have gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and, and he's worried about missing the Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah. Yes. The story of a lovely lady <laughs> who is raising up. <laughs> anyway, I can actually find a quote. How many <laughs> girls did she bring up? Three very lovely three girls. Three very lovely girls. Yes. Yes. So marvelous. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's just what a great running gag. It's so good. It, it added so much to this book. Really made the book so much better. And it's just so perfect. He's finally human because he has a TV. Yeah. Oh, oh, the bit... Tobias brings him a present, which is a universal remote, mm-hmm. and Axe's reaction is, this is so efficient, I will consume fewer calories while watching TV. <laughs> I'll expend fewer calories per channel. Yeah. Which, which is, of course, a concern one would have from watching TV. He is very engrossed in the Today Show. Dis- Although he would, you'd think he'd want to burn calories. But I bet as... A grazer, he is aware of the importance of, like... It does seem inefficient to have to run to acquire (laughs) the nutrients. (laughs) They must have the most effective nutrient processing. So this was what I was... I was thinking about this when I was like, okay, there were no... There were predators who preyed on Andalites, and the Andalites got rid of the predators and didn't didn't rise as new predators. They, like, being uh, an herbivore is not very nutritionally efficient um, for, like, for the organism, like... You don't. I think you don't you get as much. More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it must have just been that, like, andelite bodies had already evolved to process the nutrients of grass so effectively that, that uh, meat was not appealing. Yeah, that they didn't need to like make this sidestep into meat. But possibly, I think we might have brought this up before. Axe isn't getting as much nutrients from earth grass as he is from andelite grass, and maybe that's why he needs cinnamon buns, because they supply some vitally needed... He probably doesn't need as many cinnamon <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. We've been over, we were, went over this in, I in think we, I think we. Is I he stuffing we. cinnamon buns into his hooves? <laughs> no, he's eating it as 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 a, as a human. But we don't really There's a mental know. image. I'm just going to stick with this, like, cinnamon bun slippers. <laughs> 
candlelight slippers. He would wear those. Heck yeah. We don't I would really wear know what the relationship is between eating in morph and as a human. And I think one of our commenters pointed this out that like, which is actually what I thought when I was listening to 23. I was like, oh, I wish I'd raised that objection. That like Tobias, it, I don't think it was ever stated that Tobias couldn't just eat in human morph. It just like that. Well, what a way to live having to morph human and find food when you don't have money or a home every few hours. Like, he has to be able to live as a hawk because that's the only thing he can do. So... Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It makes more sense to me that 25 is the outlier and that you can't get the nutrition you need while in morph. I don't know. Do we, we don't have a lot of evidence from other books for or against. And, I mean, this is one of those things like, do stomach contents morph with you? Unclear. <laughs> like the chili Unclear. and the cinnamon bun thing yeah. that have come up before. It seems like the food goes away. We don't really know. That we don't see him unjust. after the episode. I <laughs> Every cell gets replaced. You know, I don't know. Yeah, but the brain implant stayed. We'll have to, yeah, we can agree to disagree and see what further evidence <laughs> arises. True. Did other people have stuff about, like, the ghostwriters? Was there stuff that struck people as ghostwriterly? In addition to the usual hauling, um, there, were, <laughs> there were a lot more swears and semi-swears, or, like, oh. not swears in this. They said crap more than they usually do. But mm. also... Do you have the Marco thing? I actually don't. Didn't oh, read where Marco's like these college guys—they're totally faced. The and I was like, faced. "That is not a thing." <laughs> not that word. Oh, I faced. just got that. I was like, "What is this word?" <laughs> oh, I really just thought it was some sort of obscure slang that I, I haven't heard. heard. No, I thought, no, it, was, they I thought are it was archaic slang, like faced. Right. some old person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Uh, faced funny. and uh, Rachel is tired of this bull. <laughs> the same word is missing from both of those. Ooh. I appreciated that later they morphed bulls. Yeah. I think it was actually Cassie at the was same also tired time. Of that ball. <laughs> Those balls. Yes, yes, she was. I don't know that it's necessarily a ghostwriter thing, but I did laugh a lot. <laughs> Jake did not get angry or yell in this book and have to have it explained away. Mm-mm. Axe did say we animorphs. Oh, that's great. That's canon I now. It. It's wonderful. Yeah, I Thank hope goodness. That, that is. They're going to keep that in because that annoys me every time. There was a weird word choice. Marco segued back into Gorilla Morph. <laughs> I was like, huh, that, okay. Well, they were I doing a lot of is. partial morphing, uh-huh. like, tactically in this yeah. one. Like, yeah, that was cool. Cassie partially morphs just enough to, like, unlock things or relock things. and Slip then through bars, yeah. They're morphing from bird to human on top of the car to create the human chain because they're mm-hmm. more weight. Well, And then Marco being partially gorilla in order to be able to reach the pedals and also talk to the gate guard. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other great Marco bit is when he has to drive. Has we to haven't drive. talked about him driving! Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. He gets, so they have arrived in this place. I got so annoyed. They knock out the two guards who are supposed to be driving the truck and decide right. Marco can drive. It went very poorly last time, but Maybe it'll go Jake's like, Marco has Marco's reason. driving because he has experience. And Cassie's like, my dad wept over the remains of that truck. He has bad experience. Bad experience yes. does not, it's not the same thing as Negative experience. Negative experience. Poor choices, Jake. He's Wait, but they're all like 13 or 14. Who knows how to drive? Cassie knows how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> but does Cassie have argue. a morph that could reach the pedals? You know, she they, could acquire they, one of the controllers. Yeah. I mean, the reason that they... That they need him to stay in Gorilla Morph is apparently the seat of this truck is stuck. They can't move the seat <laughs> forward, so he has to stay in Gorilla Morph. But which... it's a standard transmission. And then he gets in the car and he's like, oh, it's a standard. I'll figure that out. You no, will not. You will not figure that you, out. Do you know how long it took me to learn how to drive my damn car? Way too long. <laughs> he did not pick it up and then figure out how to like back into the 
I don't know. He that was a 30-point backing turn. <laughs> he did have the instincts of a gorilla while he was doing it. <laughs> Are gorillas better at standard let's, transmissions? Let's no, no, now that I think about it. This, this scene was funny enough to merit the total absurd justifications <laughs> that brought it about. Yeah, that seems legit. It's just so silly. <laughs> and, yeah, there's this great... So, like... How does he not get them all killed? He drives <laughs> on the wrong side of traffic. He tips the truck he up almost, onto two wheels. Yeah, he, right, right, right. The truck full of cows. <laughs> Prince Jake must have said something, because then Marco said, hey, no one is going to die on the way there. I'll get us all there. Everyone will still be available to die when we get there. <laughs> and then when he lands the, the two-wheel thing, the guards at the slaughterhouse... He says, Bond, James Bond. <laughs> Then Axe describes the guards at the slaughterhouse, and he like can't describe their expression because they look amazed <laughs> he and horrified. He somewhat disturbed, possibly odd, possibly admiring, possibly frightened. It is sometimes hard to decipher human facial expressions. Yeah, and what they- are you crazy? One guard shouted. Bad shocks, man. Marco said in a low, guttural, muddy voice. <laughs> like bad shocks. Thank man. you, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that justice. That's that's all you. And then, and then later, that guard says, "Just let us know when you're gonna leave, so we can stay out of your way." Right. And then he does the thirty-point turn. <laughs> I love how they, they narrate like the whole thing. Every like lurch, stop, grind, lurch, stop. <laughs> that poor truck. The yeah. transmission is going to be shot by the end of this. Sure, I can back up to the ramp. Why wouldn't I be able to back up? Oh man, this is going to be ugly, Rachel said, speaking from Tobias's nostril. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I do have one more Ghost Rider thing. Okay. Which is, so I don't actually know that this is the full This is the full story. I couldn't find a source in like a couple of minutes about this, but I'm sure a listener will chime in. But I believe that this book has the most significant rewrite of a, really? of a Ghost Rider thing in the entire series, which is huh. the ending scene was different when K.A. Applegate got it back. Do we know what it was? I No, but I assume that it was more uh, more moralizing and less, let's see, cheeseburgers, nothing matters. Wow. Um, because... I remember that from, like, reading interviews or, like, people talking about ghostwriters back when I was kind of mm-hmm. researching the thing. I couldn't find a direct quote that said I had to rewrite the ending of this. But here's uh-huh. what Kay Applegate says about the ending. I took some grief for this from the fans. A fair number were upset that I ended with all the Animorphs ordering hamburgers. I am in favor of being as humane as possible in dealing with livestock, but I'm not a vegetarian. I kind of think that I'll start worrying about the treatment of cows more once there are no more political prisoners, no more children dying of curable diseases, and no more fanatics blowing themselves up to murder civilians. Oh, wow. Okay. And I guess that is sort of the priority she gives the Animorphs, where it's like, okay, the treatment of cows is gruesome, but, like, that is not... Our our main concern is, like, this thing where the years are taking over humans. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though, that, one, it was controversial at the time, like, when it came out, that they did kind of get complaints. Mm -hmm. They felt like it undermined the... That maybe explains why Cassie's never, like, called out as a vegetarian. Like, that's never specified. We have no idea if she is or not. She definitely isn't, as of nine. Is she not? I'm pretty sure it comes up when she talks about... Like, the way she's thinking about, like, some animals we eat and some we yeah. don't. And she, like, I mean, she lives on a farm. She might, I could see her, like, yeah. I also assumed the beef, ch- the chili was beef chili, but I, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's it wasn't specified. Would it be interesting to us or to the listeners to talk about why or why not we do not eat meat or eat meat? Like, I can see it working very well for some people and then really not well for other people because people have very different dietary requirements, even just across our species. We're not, like, some people just don't do well on a vegan diet and it 
makes them very unhappy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have lots of theories is, about this, but probably not to belong on the podcast. I think that's a good way to set <laughs> yeah, the context, but is it a if you can, you should type situation for you? No, not if you can, you should. If you don't need to and you're happy without it, then you shouldn't, would be probably my take on eating meat. I so think we happiness. all need to eat it a very great deal less than we currently do. Mm-hmm. We don't need nearly as much meat as we generally have in our diets. This is my big rant as a chef. Everybody actually likes vegetables. They just don't know that they do because they haven't had them cooked properly yet. Yes. A lot of people were raised on like canned, boiled vegetables, and so they think they don't like them. Yeah, but I have multiple is, friends who have said this is why they thought they didn't like broccoli. This is an insult yeah. to vegetables. What is your favorite way to prepare a vegetable? Most vegetables uh-huh. taste fantastic when cooked at very high heat, briefly, like roasted. Uh, so you toss them with salt and pepper and oil. Brussels sprouts, you mm-hmm. also toss them with maple syrup oh, and yeah. a little bit of bacon and some cranberries. So, hungry now. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, squash. I love all the autumn vegetables, like medley mm-hmm. style. What do you other two think? Meat, no meat. Oh, about meat, yes. Not about my favorite vegetable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do eat meat. I feel like... The steps that I take to not eat meat are mostly environmental. Like when I'm like, okay, when I cook at home, mostly I will just not eat meat. And then I will eat it usually when I go out because I don't like bothering preparing meat, but I am not eating the kind of diet that would compensate for meat. So I'm like, okay, I probably need a little bit of this protein. From an environmental standpoint, I tend to feel like individual consumers can do some things. And so I'm going to do some things, but I'm not going to feel like I have to be incredibly extreme about it because the problem can't really be solved on an individual level. Mm-hmm. The ethical considerations of eating meat are something that I'm kind of deliberately not thinking too closely about. Mm. Well, and I mean, there is this really happy coincidence wherein animals who are treated humanely taste better. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as a chef, I'm very interested in grass-fed beef because, dang, that is an improved flavor right there. Uh, And, like, free-range chicken, the eggs, so much better. So there are many reasons to treat your animals humanely. And some of them can be commercial. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a really strict vegetarian for years, and I'm a much less strict vegetarian now. So I'll eat meat if other people, like if I'm at someone's house and they, whatever they don't have prepared, other options. That's that's fine. I'll eat mm-hmm. that, and that usually takes care of it. The, one of the problems of being a vegetarian for a really long time is you stop having the enzymes that allow you to eat meat, and then maybe oh, you get yeah. a really bad stomachache. So yeah. that used to happen to me a lot. Um, my family is Irish, and so there's like our entire subsistence is meat and potatoes. Um, so that can be very difficult. So I'm a, I'm a flexible vegetarian. I'm mostly that's a really vegetarian. good way to be, though. We don't need that much. We really, really right. don't. But why? Why were you oh, vegetarian? Oh, um, so I, it's mostly an animal's cruelty thing and an environmental thing. So my husband was a vegan for years for environmental reasons, and. Mine are much more animal cruelty related. And when I became a vegetarian for the first time, a lot of it was we had a a farm. and It wasn't a working farm, but we rented out the back 40 for a local dairy herd. And so I have a lot of, like, fun growing up stories about cows and, like, pigs. But a thing for me was coming to a realization as a young teenager that those animals that I loved so much were also what we were eating. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, like, it just hadn't really Reconciling clicked. that dichotomy. And then I clicked, and I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, I love these animals. You know, I have yeah, names yeah. for them, and I, I know them by their personalities and their tags and whatever. And, um, and to quote so, Monsters, Inc., once you name it, you start getting attached to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so true. Um, so that was a big part of it. And now it's it's a lot of that. And uh, 
as I said, you know, I, I reread one of the vegetarian diatribe books. There are There's a genre of, like, books about eating animals that are mm. mostly just trying to scare you into never eating animals again mm-hmm. by telling you all of the ways that animals are treated. Mm-hmm. And they well, are very effective. This <laughs> is, oh, it's like, a light version of that genre almost, yeah. except for the ending. No, exactly. Well, that's why it was so weird, because it felt like it kind of went against the rest of the book as you yeah because clearly said. the book had an opinion on animal testing yeah and its opinion on slaughterhouses seemed a little less extreme or less explicitly spelled out but mm-hmm. still not good yeah it was just interesting Ted how about you well yeah I eat meat I've never seriously tried being a vegetarian I have definitely tried to and mostly succeeded at eating less meat mostly for environmental reasons but I find the animal cruelty stuff incredibly persuasive, and I can't, I cannot argue that eating meat is moral. I'm, I would very much. This is kind of where like my like I want to be more like Cassie mindset mm-hmm. comes from. Like I just think she's she's right that there's I don't I don't see that there's a coherent way to draw a line where eating some things is okay and eating other things is not. I think it's fine to make the argument that you have to do a bad thing to survive or for your diet, but that doesn't change the fact that it's not a bad thing, and mm-hmm. so. Like Jenny, I try not to think about that too much <laughs> in terms of holding yeah. myself accountable, but mm-hmm. I would love to get to a place where I could be more ethical and that other people would be too. But like you were saying, Jane, if we just reduced our overall consumption for environmental reasons, we that'd be a huge win in terms of tastiness mm-hmm. and also in terms of uh, yeah. effects. Like, yeah, so. we just eat less, treat the animals better than... Nobody needs to feel deprived or anything like this. I want to just put a plug for anyone who is thinking about adding more vegetarian meals into their diet for Thug Kitchen. It's one of my favorite websites and cookbooks. Um, The person who writes it is, um, is a vegetarian, and it's basically a, here's how you can cook simple, easy, healthy meals with all vegetarian ingredients, and also he swears a lot, and it is my jam. I love it. Also, also, the Sprouted Kitchen food blog is excellent, mm. and uh, Yotam Otolenghi, one of my all-time favorite chefs, yes. has a vegetable book. It's so good, and it's so pretty. So good. It's beautiful. <sighs> oh, I was going to say, is this is relevant a few points back. So my sister works for um, sort of an environmental, environmental nonprofit that deals with like media stuff, like messaging around the environment. And she focuses on the food areas. And she was telling me how actually uh, raising chicken is pretty environmentally friendly. like it, But awful for the chickens. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's also really bad for human rights. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of human rights violations yeah. in the chicken Ooh, industry. Who work in the so it's really a difficult thing because like yeah. you get all the like interested part, like all the stakeholders in like policy and recommendations and stuff. And there's like, well, from an environmental standpoint, we would want to advocate chicken. From a lot of other standpoints, mm-hmm. that's really bad. And it's like, what? we prioritize it's really complicated yeah i mean like the answer should be eating bugs right like Mm -hmm. where's big bug we need we need that industry yeah well there are a lot of industries invested in us eating things that aren't bugs no exactly i'm just saying that's kind of yeah yeah we need to get the practical solution Mm -hmm. could have been marcus major in book 20 you know i'm kind of hoping that isn't a challenge that my next set of clients (laughs) (laughs) rise to that but or stoop to Let's that, hope I they suppose. don't listen to this podcast if we include this part. Sincerely <laughs> doubt it. But I don't know, do bugs count? Are they on the sliding scale? Okay, there has to be some point at the sliding scale where, like... I mean, How dare we, you, Jenny? But, like, doesn't it go all the way down to, to plants? Amoebas. Yeah, the plants can talk. Trees can talk. Okay, are if we just going like to stop eating? Thing. 
We can't eat trees that talk. What we need to do okay, is no, develop photosynthesis as a species. You can clearly morph animals and then cut them apart and then demorph, right? You can, like, harvesting the whale fat in oh, uh, oh Book no. 25. That right? is so gruesome. But isn't that cruelty? It's cr- yeah, but sounds really cruel. If, you're, if they opt into it, right? The animorph is doing it. It's better than killing something that already exists, right? Yes. I still feel like you're cutting pieces off a 13-year-old, so no. <laughs> They're 14 now, Jay. You have to draw a line. Oh, well, then. That, that makes everything. Yes, we're drawing right. the line between 13 and 14. No. If the chi forced the animorphs to do it, it's clearly wrong. If the animorphs decide they want to do it themselves, I think it's much better than eating meat. Yeah, but that can't become a policy for all of civilization, because are we just going to get volunteers to do this? At what point is... Like, it's just going to be exploitative. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, then. Eat, this eat, is, once again, the hand wavium. <laughs> eat Helmicrons. Thank you. That is my point. Oh, problem. no. I guess they are. Their minds are fungible. Yeah. And what's, everyone likes eating a good fungus. <laughs> That's not everyone. Usually true. Yeah, not well, everyone. What's the Terry Pratchett quote, I believe, is, uh, all fungi are edible. Some fungi are only edible once. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the cow tipping. Okay, great. You have thoughts? <laughs> oh, she perked right up. is not a thing. <laughs> like how being faced is not a thing? It's not a thing in that it is an urban legend created by city people mm-hmm. as a, like, oh, rural people got nothing to do, so they, like, go out in fields and tip some cows. They, that's not how anything <laughs> works. Cows can sleep lying down, <laughs> don't let people walk up to them, and are perfectly capable of getting up on their own if they did. It's the <laughs> dumbest possible thing. It used to drive me up a wall as a child. And then the when they showed up, the it's like there's a bunch of drunk guys, college guys in a truck. And I was like, they are here to cow tip, I swear to God. And then the next <laughs> sentence is like, oh, they're here to cow tip. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm okay, so but is it possible that drunk frat guys would think it's a thing because they're from the city? I mean, they go to the university that somehow now exists in this town that we've never heard of before, yes, but is mentioned. Called, uh, Gooberville, I believe, was the technical <laughs> term. I love Axe taking Marco way too literally. <laughs> there was a good bit. So Axe has something to say about city people in this book as well. When he talks about oh yeah the uh, the, the tunnel, the need for a tunnel, mm. he kind of is like he gets super snarky and he's like. If you had to dig a tunnel, you didn't plan ahead. Humans have not been known <laughs> oh, to be right. good plans. They, they dig tunnels under, you know, landscape things or buildings whose presence somehow surprises them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is like, we knew already that the Andalites were communists. And so, of course, they have centrally planned cities where none of these problems arise. But I feel like <laughs> Axe doesn't, he doesn't quite understand what's going on here. There were a lot of really delightful Axe reflections on humans. Mm-hmm. The bit about online. Oh, yes. A primitive human method of communicating in short, truncated, interrupted sentences with anonymous individuals. Humans have several means of communicating in uninterrupted form with known persons, but many prefer online. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I loved his reflection on uh, on mouths. <laughs> oh, bleh. <laughs> well... I could just summarize by saying humans do a great deal with their mouths, most of it rather pointless. <laughs> and then he yep. says, human skin comes in a variety of shades, none of them attractive. <laughs> Please not to me. If you are a human, you must find something attractive about your fellow humans. Humans who are young and restless are almost continuously in a straight state of attraction to others. 
he's not wrong. But then he says, he describes a chimpanzee as a hairier, slightly more attractive human. He does, and he mentions that the chimp's nose looks more like an andalite nose. Mm, yeah. And they can get around on four legs as well as two. Mm. I mean, they do kind of his type. On the cover, there is a chimpish nose to this andalite. Sort of? Mostly it's just abominable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still just see the abominable nose. Mm -hmm. Oh, did we talk about... Stuff. Oh yeah, I could not see the contents of the truck. Stuff. Although I'm sure, I was sure it contained some sort of quote unquote stuff. <laughs> what is stuff? He was concerned that he was going to be run over by cars and presumably also their cargoes of stuff. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right, right. Yes, and then he says it had been necessary for me to demorph and remorph several times in a dumpster, which is a large box filled with stuff humans no longer want. What is X's line when he is falling off of the uh, the truck and they have to? Please make every effort not to drop me. (laughs) 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 Oh man! Oh oh! I loved the thing where he's explaining why there's no force field over the meatpacking plant. Oh yes! Like too large an area, as you know, energy expenditure for a force field increases exponentially. Which I read was like, oh, now they understand exponential change. They didn't understand it in twenty four. Uh, and then he, he explains it a little more. And then Cassie says, hey, she says an alarm. I actually understood that. I never understand his technical explanations. What's happening to me? Well, you never understand them because you guys always cut him no, off before he fair. can get more than a third of the way that through. Is fair. That is a yeah. fair point. That That is fair. Cassie's also very good at science. So, you know, mm-hmm. she would if they were comprehensible. But Cassie then, is the hero of this book. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Then he says, I was pleased by my success at reducing a much more complex reality to terms simple enough for my human friends to grasp. He's I, assimilating so well. Yeah. Well, I feel like he's... he's <laughs> He's so using, arrogant. He's using television to teach himself human customs mm-hmm, and body mm-hmm. language, and sometimes that's a great idea, and sometimes learning body language from the young and restless, maybe not the best idea. <laughs> sometimes it leads you to do soap takes <laughs> and stare meaningfully into the non-existent camera. It leads you to do soap takes. There it is. <laughs> the eyebrow raise is necessary. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, but you know what we haven't talked about? The most important revelation in this book. I was uh, gonna, I was gonna see oh, if we get the whole oh. episode without it coming out. <laughs> Prince Jake, our leader, a male who is distinguished by being taller than the others. <gasps> How dare you! Rachel is the tallest animorph. <laughs> no, nope. Rachel is the tallest animorph. No, no, he is taller than the others. I don't believe it. It's so upsetting. It is not. It is Ugh. true. I was so convinced. Rachel was 5'9", Jake was 5'2". At 13? Yeah. 5'9". No, I mean, we don't know that she's 5'9". No. She says she's I'm tall for her that. age, maybe for any age. 5'9 might be stretching it, but maybe not. But, I mean, f- taller than 5'9 at 13 would be very tall for Jake, so... They must have all had at least a birthday. Like, they can't be 13 anymore. Maybe they're... they're they yeah, they must be 14. But okay. still. Okay, so it's ridiculous. Gray, what do you think about this theory? So, how, why could Jake maybe now be the tallest animorph? Gross part. Well, yes. uh, yeah, but <laughs> back in 24, when Cassie was embiggening all the animorphs, what if she was just like, let's just keep a, a couple more seconds here. Is this like so Hermione shrinking her teeth? Yes. She just wants okay. Jake to be a little bigger. But Cassie is a little over four feet tall. Does she really want Jake to be like a foot and a half taller than her? Seems like that leads to neck problems. Yeah, that just seems really inconvenient. What if Cassie is also a little bit taller because of the Helicon technology, and now Marco is much shorter than all the other people? I did mention that Marco was very short. I I, I, I feel like he would have called that out. What if he hasn't noticed? 
How would he not notice? This is like Cassie a Marian Pippin in Fangorn. <laughs> 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 I've always been taller than you. <laughs> okay, all right, but Jake is not 5'10", I'm going to assume, because... He's okay. He says when they're planning to impersonate the controllers in the truck, he says, I'm biggest. I should look okay in that guy's jeans and jacket. And then later, Rachel says, Oh, yeah, this will work. A gorilla wearing some hideous Levi's leisure suit and a kid who looks like he's wearing his dad's clothes. Mm. So he's probably, he probably is not an adult height or at least not a very tall adult height. Jake and Rachel are big people. So obviously, Jake's dad is huge. (laughs) Jake's dad's clothes. (laughs) Okay. All right. Wait, why am I helping you? Jake is tiny. <laughs> he is not tiny. He's, he's tiny, taller he's than a Rachel. He's grumpy boy. Rachel is Rachel tall for any age. <laughs> you lie. You're full of lies. It's fine. I also... Cassie made him big. <laughs> okay. I like uh-huh. how he tries to lower his own voice when he's like, here, just sign off on the manifest. So presumably he also does not sound like an adult. His voice hasn't broken yet. Yeah. They're all so wee and little. <laughs> Except Jake. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I have a bunch of 90s references. Oh, yeah. But before we get there, I want to say that they are stuck in the slaughterhouse, and they are all trying desperately to get through the door at the back of the slaughterhouse, and they're mm-hmm. banging against it, and everyone's trying to get through this damn door, and I am like 95% certain that that door says pull on it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Canon accepted. Oh, yes. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, 90s references. Well, we, we talked about online being the primitive mm-hmm. human method of communication, but the reason that Axe mentions that is because Marco is grumbling about an <laughs> online chat with the cast of X-Files that he's missing. Yeah. Okay, so there was an online chat with the cast of the X-Files for the movie Fight the Future in 1998. <gasps> so this could be locating a specific Animorphs event on a specific day. Oh my but gosh. I would love for and I would love for X-Files fans to report back on whether there were other Official mm. cast online chats that this okay. could be taking place in 1999. I don't think it could be taking place in 99, because if it started in 96, I don't think it's been three years in their time. Oh, that's true. Because we talked about this recently, that, like, it's probably, like, it's been maybe a year at this point for them, maybe a little more, I don't know. But, like, yeah, it's probably still, like, 97 for them or something. Right. Maybe it's 98 mm-hmm. now. Anyway, continue. Greg. Which would explain the growth spurts. Exactly. Yeah. Other 90s references. Uh, the Today Show. Oh, yeah. Acts as friends with Katie and Matt and Al. That's uh, <laughs> Katie Couric, who was the anchor from 91 to 2006. Matt Lauer, who was the news anchor from 94 to 97 and a host anchor from 97 to 2017 when, you know. And then uh, Al Al Roker, who does the weather from 1996 to the present. So it was post-1996. All right. We also, as Jane mentioned, got a great list of other shows that Axe should be watching instead (laughs) of The Young and the Restless. Which did include Buffy. Starting with Buffy, the most important one. Party of Five, maybe. Another Party of Five reference. Cops, South Park. Those are his suggestions. Later he asks I would like to see Axe's reaction to the South Park animation in particular. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a different species. Later he asks if he's on candid camera. Mm Mm-hmm. South Park is old, yeah. Not as old as The Simpsons. No. That's true. Oh, and Friends is on, and Tobias points out that it's only a rerun. Mm-hmm. Because Friends is airing at that point, of course. We get a great glimpse of a uninvolved person in this... <laughs> in the car? In the oh, car. Oh, no. The mom well, with the kids? No, I guess there are two. There oh, are yes. two. There's, yeah, we could talk about that. But the person that I love is when they are climbing down into the, the chimp truck. There's mm-hmm. someone following the truck. 
And Axe can see him yelling inside. And <laughs> Axe thinks, I believe what he yelled was, Wahoo! <laughs> I am unclear as to the meaning, but I believe they were noises of approval. He cannot possibly have known our mission, of course. So I took it as a general approval of the notion of breaking into trucks. <laughs> or perhaps he merely enjoyed acrobatics. <laughs> My heart goes out to this California man. My heart goes out to the person in the car who was, like, looking at them morphing and ended up crashing into a oh, like, telephone right. hole or something. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when they set the chimps free, two children in one of the cars pointed at us and bounced up and down in their seats. And they set the chimps free and they shoo them out of the truck, which requires Tobias <laughs> launching himself at them. A second chimp was bouncing maniacally on the roof of the car with the children. The children <laughs> were screaming with joy. Their mother was also screaming, but perhaps not with joy. <laughs> yeah, they have some casualties of just sort of yeah. you know, collateral damage. I was just looking through my notes and found one of my favorite action sequences in the book. So when they decide that they're going to, when Cassie and Rachel decide they're going to stay chimps and break mm-hmm. the chimps out of the facility, uh-huh. Mr. Three is sending in taxons oh, yeah. to eat all of the chimps, which is horrible. But the Animorphs decide to morph chimps so they can stay undercover. And Axe describes the scene as the taxons come in. Six of the chimpanzees waited calmly. They had armed themselves with a variety of weapons, a screwdriver, a chair, a computer monitor. The lead taxon reared up, ready to slam its upper third down on us. You know, I really, really hate taxons, Rachel said. I stepped in swiftly and struck straight up with a wrench I had discovered. The taxon's soft underbelly opened like a moistened paper bag. And then the taxon goes, Sir, <laughs> Rachel moved fast. She rolled in beneath the taxon and yanked off one of its sharp legs. Now she had a weapon. Amazing! Whoa. It's so cool. The animorphs as chimps really cool. with all of their improvised weapons, and then Rachel mm-hmm. pulls off a like needle leg yeah. to use in a fight. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know, I really hate taxons thing it was interesting because we have had so many aliens that have been like, oh crap, we have to feel terrible about killing these controllers and taxons haven't moved into that category. <laughs> Definitely not. Axe at one point says, this brings us close to taxon morality, which was like oh, yeah, a that's low right. burn. <laughs> yeah, so like, taxons are like the species they can still hate, aside yeah. from Yurks, which also have been a little bit complicated by Aftran. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they, no one's complicated taxons yet for the Animorphs, although we've seen a little bit more in Andalite Chronicles. Right. So, Gray, before you predict the next book, do you want to add a new species to your list of animals that you hope that the Animorphs will morph? Scorpions. Scorpions! Mm. I approve. Nice! I, I like this it. request. Wait, so what? It's, so it's scorpions, it's... Another lion. Another lion. Yeah. And it's... Um... A Komodo dragon. Komodo dragon. Oh, yes, yes, that's yeah. right. Okay. Yes. Thank you for remembering that. Good choices. Like, yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I know I thought of it, but. <laughs> uh, yes. So Komodo dragon, scorpion, and another lion. lion. Yeah. Because David shouldn't be the only, only one. No, it's a great morph. Yeah. All right. Should, is, is there anything else? Should I go predict the uh, next book? Yeah. I think that's probably The it, sickness. Yeah. You're going to really love so. this cover. This is going to be your favorite cover of all the covers. Just <laughs> shout out to people who are very online. There's a goose in this book that honks a lot. <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. Cassie's shoving some medicine down his throat. <laughs> and he interrupts their conversation. Honk, 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 honk. That's great. Oh, no. Did you see the cover? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite, isn't That's it? That's what that looks like. I, I love I'm it. super curious. That's can I see what you can, like. Oh, you can't Google it. You're not online. I'm gonna... Oh, yeah. Jane can help with the prediction. Oh, yes. yes you definitely should. Wait. Oh, no. That is the correct reaction. <laughs> Wait. But no. 
Oh, wow. And that's quite the text there. Uh, the text is, Cassie is about to make a change for the better, four dots. And what is the picture, Gray? It's Cassie. Is that a Lyran? What is that? It's not a Lyran. It's not a Lyran. Is it like a mudfish? Oh, my it's gosh. It's closer to a mudfish. There's a really obvious one. <laughs> there is a really obvious answer. It's not a yerk, is it? It's a yerk. It's a oh. yerk. <laughs> They're bigger than you thought, huh? <laughs> <laughs> one of, this is one of the Yerk Sears. <laughs> this is like the Jake equivalent of the I just... <laughs> no, it's the Rachel. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Really bad. I, that is that is an offense to the soul. Yeah. Also, did we say what it's called? Uh, it's called The Sickness. Is The Sickness the way everyone reacts when they see Cassie Morphe? <laughs> I assume. <laughs> That's going to be the secondary meaning. <laughs> okay. The Sickness. Jane, what do you think? Ooh. Cassie's gonna morph a yerk. I hope she Why? doesn't infest any of, of the other animorphs. That would be rough. Very sick. Yeah, no, it's gotta be a, a tactical decision. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be morally complex. <laughs> I mean, they've mentioned that they have the uh, genetic or like the biofource field that filters out everything except biofilters. That's it, the biofilters. Okay, so maybe she's got to get in somewhere mm-hmm. and she can only do it as a yerk. Because mm-hmm. hmm. that sounds like something she would agree to. And then, of course, it will get complicated from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, who's going to get, what's the sickness going to be? Is there some kind of. Ooh. Some kind of plague that they're a yerk plague. A yerk plague. Well, like, like a the, plague that affects yerks. No, like a plague that the yerks are releasing. Oh, sort of. You mm. know, this experiment didn't work with the putting uh-huh. it in the food, so maybe they're just going to release something. And this time, instead of it being a medicine formula, whatever, it's a it's a plague. Oh, so are they trying to make all the humans sick? Yes. Why? To bring them to the hospital, and they've got another oh. <laughs> Nice. That's brilliant. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, that that that's um, a good plan. Yeah. That sounds like a little too good of a plan for Visser. He has <laughs> such terrible plans. It's true. Yeah. He's very bad at it. Did Cassie acquire after him? I don't think so. Oh, no. They are going to have to get Can their hands on a wiggly little a yerk if it's inside your head? Good question. Mm, you are technically Could, touching it. Yeah, but like... If the yerk is controlling your body, like, can you acquire things with, like, Does is require... that something you can control with your brain rather than, like, <clears throat> your body in this duality? That's a really good question. Yeah. Hmm. They haven't thought So could Mr. Three morph. morph into a different yerk by... Oh, definitely. Like, into himself? <gasps> oh, yeah. Whoa. Presumably. It's Wait, like what? a matryoshka doll of identities. <laughs> Wait, if so Visser 3 is controlling Aloran's body, Visser 3 could make Aloran acquire Esplen and then morph Esplen for some reason. With himself inside? I don't know why he would want to do this. No, it really is a Russian doll of identity. <laughs> That's wild. Such a good question. Well done. That. We're here for the tricky ones. That's what he should have done with Arya. Oh. Yes. He should have found an actual human woman, woman to infest because then he wouldn't have had to worry about like impersonating a human woman without the knowledge of how they In act. fact, let's say he just did that. Actually, yeah. Let's just say he did we that. We don't have any reason to think that's not what happened. Greg is not da- having any of this. <laughs> that doesn't fix so many things about that. Well, the reason that that's less likely is that then when he went back to the hotel room every two hours 
to demorph from the Yerk, why didn't she escape? Right. Mm-hmm. Voluntary controller. Hmm. Yeah, could have been a voluntary controller. Yeah. Weird, though. Still weird. But Still weird. But trust a voluntary controller. Still problematic. Still a dumb plan. Okay. Because Still a visser plan. I think <laughs> is this is a good, this good, is a good prediction. Do you want to look at the inside cover? Yeah. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it's too late. You've seen. They, they snagged a Yerk out of the Yerk pool. What like the it? rainforest. Describe it for our... It's a yerk pool. There's a bunch of yerks are swimming around. It's gross. Very densely I, packed. I wouldn't have pictured the yerk pool being like this light blue color. Oh, yeah. It's sort of very sunlit blue. and clear. Yeah. And they, they I, look I like, like dark sludge. Yeah. They are, they are densely packed. Mm-hmm. It very much looks like those nature documentaries of the schools of fish. Yeah. Mm. And one is in a cage. And yeah, one, one of them is in a cage. In the yerk pool. I'm not surprised that a yerk who can get through a human's like inner ear canal can't get out of that cage. Yeah, the scale on this is there perhaps is it's not a, a force field around the bars. I see. In yes. the water. In the water. That's pretty good. Yeah. What it's if actually, it's chain link? It's much tighter <laughs> mesh. Yes. <laughs> yes, it might be much tighter mesh than we are than the picture. Just but they wanted us to be able to see small. through. Maybe not the really. sickness is attacking the yerks and they're gonna try and figure out how to weaponize it. Ooh. That seems like too good. Like the oatmeal again? Like the oatmeal again, but now mm-hmm. with the plague. Why is there a yerk in a cage? They need that specific yerk. That's the one that Cassie is going to acquire. Ew. That's like, quarantine for the plague. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, yeah. the water then fire mesh. Yeah. Yeah, the open mesh. It's not waterborne. <laughs> <laughs> it's airborne. It's a... Yeah. It's mindborne. You have it's, to, yeah, it's, it's a mind-born. touch thing. <laughs> They have to kiss oh. in order to transfer it. So Wait, if it's mind-born, then if you infest someone... the host and then other yurks. Yeah. Ooh. Immensely. Really good theory. Obviously not what it is, because we're talking about it. <laughs> Shoot. Either that or we just have excellent poker faces. Yeah. Could be. And Ted's voices. is better than mine. <laughs> poker voices. Poker voices. Poker voices. Can't read my poker voice. <laughs> Oh, it's definitely okay. the end of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. We definitely need to end. <clears throat> All right. Well, we'll talk about this next time. Number 29. The sickness. Ooh. The sickness. Thanks, Jane. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jane. Thanks, Jane. That was this was you great. are such a great host. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you're here. Me too. This is fun. If you want to find us, we are at anamorphology.com and at anamorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs ebooks on our website. We also will be doing a mailbag episode soon, so if you have any questions or comments that you want us to talk about, make sure to get them in. There are a lot of ways to contact us. You can email us at anamorphologycast at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Tumblr, anamorphologycast.tumblr.com. And uh, we have a lot of great commenters who've already said wonderful things, and it's going to be a long mailbag episode, but we're always happy to get more thoughts. I think eating meat is definitely worse than murdering people, which they're doing all the time, right? Wait, eating meat is definitely worse I mean, than murdering people? Let me say that again. <laughs>